Thank you for listening to the Cinephiles Digest podcast. This is episode 20. My name is Matt. This is Tom. And this is Travis. On this week's episode, uh, we are going to be reviewing one of the marquee releases of the year. This is a big one. Highly anticipated sequel. We are going to be discussing Denny Villeneuve's new film, Blade Runner 2049. We'll also be talking about the new Netflix original film, Gerald's Game, based on the Stephen King novel or short story. I don't know. But we'll get to it. We are also joined today by a couple of returning guests. You should all be familiar. Uh, Jay, welcome back to the show, bud. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having. No, thanks for being here with us. Thank me today. for having you. <laughs> and Paris is also making her return to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Uh, we are having an early Sunday morning recording session, starting the day off right with some bromosas. Travis, you want to let our fans know oh, yeah. uh, what a bromosa is? Well, it's basically a mimosa, but you add a little bit of vodka and Rockstar to it. I like to call it a sparkling screwdriver. (laughs) (laughs) So far, it's pretty great. It is pretty tasty. I am enjoying it. So uh, we'll see uh, how we're all feeling by the end of this thing, because we're (laughs) drinking champagne and hard liquor, which historically are the two things that uh, don't make me feel good. I just just realized (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how it goes. I just realized Um, I didn't eat breakfast. I did eat Probably a bad idea. <laughs> no, that's a great idea. It'll make for good podcasting. Or terrible podcasting. Maybe it'll just go off the rails. We'll see. Hopefully. Well, before uh, before we start getting into our reviews, um, how have you guys been since the last time we recorded? What's uh, what's new? Who wants to go first? Uh, well, there's nothing new for me. Travis? <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing too exciting. I went and saw Hello Goodbye this week, though. That was cool. Oh, yeah. It was like well, an anniversary show or something. I, I don't know. I think he was just doing a small tour. He? Like, isn't it? Well, I think they like broke up, and now he's just doing his own thing. Did, uh, they do the, did they do the treadmill? No, that's okay, go. That's okay, go. Oh. Hello, goodbye was the one they were like, looking in my heart attack, something, something on my neck. Gotta find out all the things. Find out. Okay, I'm gonna stop saying <laughs> <laughs> Uh Yeah, I never listened to them, but... Uh, it was the crocodile, right? Yeah. So your first time the crocodile, or I went one other time to a EDM show where there was like ten people there. Oh, nice. So pretty much my first time. Like yeah. my worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, speaking of shows, uh, today is Sunday. I went to a show Friday and Saturday. Uh, Travis and his brother were thinking about coming to the show on Friday, but they bitched out. Totally bailed. Uh, the band that got me into hardcore when I was fifteen. They're called Comeback Kid. They played a small show at the Legion Hall over in West Seattle, and uh, I hadn't seen them since like 2008. It had been a while, and uh, it was pretty sweet. Uh, the crowd was going off for the first like three songs, and then the third song they played was like the first song they ever wrote, and it has a dope breakdown at the end. Mm. And during the breakdown, these two guys got in a crazy fight, and it took like 15 people to break oh, it up. Geez, they almost knocked guys. over the PA, the band stopped their song. <laughs> Like, right in the, like, during the breakdown, I was like, no, I wanted to finish it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it took a while to break that up. And then Paris was at this show, too. 
I was also there. Yes. There was a. She was involved in the fight. Yeah, she started. <laughs> I started the fight. No, it was actually, Terry. A Terry funny thing it. about this, the fight is at the end, some girl walks up to another girl and goes, Terry, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Terry. So I don't know if it was like over some girl drama or what, but it didn't just look like pit beef. Like these dudes, there was something else going on. Terry was the girl. There seemed to be two uh, fighting factions at the Bloods and the Crips. The <laughs> How many also, people were there? Uh, there were probably like no more than just shy of a hundred, maybe yeah, it was, was probably like eighty no more than or so. 100. It was kind of awkward because there were a ton of people hardcore dancing through the whole show, like all three bands. Lots so, of spin kicks. Lots of spin kicks. Lots of people picking up change. There was uh, <laughs> the whole front area was just open because people were getting out of the way, so it was just like like a, a horseshoe, horseshoe basically. Uh, and the, the singer was like, oh, is this like a Seattle thing? This is kind of weird. But he just like kept coming off the stage and just like standing like in the crowd since they left so much space. But At one kicked. point I pushed Matt into the people that were doing their hardcore dancing and he got very upset with me. <laughs> oh, very <laughs> upset is accurate. You take any, uh, any kicks to the shin while you were in there? No, I didn't get in there. She kept, she was just like, go in there. She kept like kind of tapping me. <laughs> and then they started playing a song from my favorite album. And then she just like shoved me. And I turned around and I was like, quit doing that. <laughs> <laughs> That's Matt and Maya's relationship in a nutshell. Yeah. Just quit doing that. <laughs> uh, and then last night I saw uh, a band, The Menzingers. They're one of my favorites. Uh, this band called Broadway Calls played. I loved them in high school. And a band called Lee Corey Oswald from Portland played. And they were awesome. Three awesome bands. Good night. Other than that, I've just been sick. Hmm. Speaking of awesome music, Oxburn's Red new album just released on Friday. Oh, wow. And it shreds. Oxburn. Did you say speaking of awesome music or terrible music? No, awesome. <laughs> what, uh, what, what band is this? August Burns Red. August Burns Red. I thought you said Ox Bread. No. <laughs> I actually thought you said that too. <laughs> also known as August Burns Shred. Okay. Uh-huh. Embarrassing. You, you Never listen to them, no. 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 Yeah, you're good. They, they sound like, like a, a metalcore Christian band, but oh my gosh. they do it the best. They do it the best. <laughs> they <Yeah>. don't. <laughs> okay. Oh. Uh... <laughs> Moving right along. Yeah. Here. <laughs> I'm going to move along. Uh, I did see a show. I saw Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, uh, pretty intimate space actually. Not that many people. They do the whole tent. Have you guys ever been? Yeah. Wow. Which which uh, show was it? They have a Curios, Cabinet of Curiosities. Um, I always thought that Cirque du Soleil shows would be like very solemn and serious material, and I think most of their shows are. Maybe not. <laughs> but Curios was like very lighthearted. Everything was fun and bouncy and quirky and like steampunky. Um, we were in the fourth row, dead center. So we had like the best seats. It's pretty awesome. They do some crazy, crazy shit. It looked like a lot of fun. This is in Portland? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't come here or just want to make a trip out of it? I think they were up here earlier, but my parents lived down in Oregon. (laughs) They were in Marymore. In the middle. Uh, for like a week or so. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They had a tent over in Marymore. Yeah. It's crazy. They had this one part where there's like a dinner party on the bottom and then somebody levitates a candle and uh, David Blaine, did he levitate the candle? <laughs> David Blaine comes out from behind the God curtain. Damn it, David Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to have a nice dinner, you move the candle way up there. Uh, so he starts stacking, you know, chairs and it's like this whole production, he's climbing higher and higher. And then once the candle gets high enough, you notice that on the ceiling there is an exact mirror of the dinner party with people suspended but 
facing downward. So they have an upside down table on the ceiling. Oh, shit. And then they start to build their chairs to look like they're going up, but they're actually coming down and they meet in the middle and it's pretty crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. That was probably the most like technically complicated looking thing that they did with like the equipment. Star rating? <laughs> Four and a half. Okay. It was nice. a blast. It, it was really fun. Yeah. I like to go to a show sometime. Mm-hmm. Have you, that you haven't seen Cirque du Soleil? <laughs> <laughs> I have not. They're really good. Looks fun though. All right. Anything else? Uh, Jay, do we already, what are you, what are you up to? Um, nothing much. Just been watching some movies. Yeah. Did, same did old, watch, same old. Did you watch all nine cuts of Blade Runner? Um, I have actually <laughs> seen all of the official cuts of Blade Runner. <laughs> it's three, right? Yeah. Five. yeah I think there's, five. Well, there's theatrical five? directors. Okay, then finals. I haven't seen all of them. Yeah, there's a British theatrical version. Oh, my God. And then there's also a work print version. Oh, right, because the, the extra gorier scenes of the movie were actually cut out for the American release, so they that's what is in the international releases are usually that extra gore, oh, which okay. ended up mm. in the director's cut and final cut. I've only seen director's cut and final cut, but I have the Blu-ray that has all five versions of it. Um, Nerd. Did we want to <laughs> talk about the original at all before? Yeah, we did our, watch it. Our Definitely. Definitely. So yeah, we. Uh, I had a, a screening at my apartment. <clears throat> had a, some people together, and we watched the original Blade Runner. Final um, cut. The final cut. Yes, that is the version we watched. And there were some people there who hadn't seen it before, so that was cool. Um, the movie is amazing. It's so good. Travis, you weren't there at the screening, but you did watch it. And that was just your right. second watch, right? Yep. Because you weren't a huge fan the first time, right? No. I don't know what it was exactly, but I thought it was pretty boring. And I'd... Well, did you, you have to the... be like prepared to sit yeah. through some stuff. Yeah, I don't think I was prepared the first time. So yeah. Did you watch the final cut the first time? I believe so. It builds a lot of suspense, though. It does, does a good job with that. But I did love it good. on rewatch. It's very moody. Lots of atmosphere. So brooding. It's still a little yeah. slow, but everything else makes up for it. Yeah. The end, the ending scene, Rooker Howard's His Tears monologue. In the Rain monologue His fucking gives me the chills every time. It's so monologue. good. He improv that? Oh, yeah. That line, yeah. Not uh, the whole monologue, the only, but the Tears in the Rain. No, no, because the only part in the script was it said, um, it's time to die. And so he made up all the stuff for that. Well, it was the. All of it? Jay yeah. Opinion. Like, I've seen <laughs> the script shit just on said, Saturn no. It just said improv <laughs> 90 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and then t- say time to die. And then the best, <laughs> the best line in the movie. Yeah, that was dope. I love the visuals in it. It still holds up. It looks. Yeah. It still looks pretty good. It looks you know, freaking amazing. Dude, it and the music so well. Yeah. The Honestly, music. the only issue I have with it visually is that all of a sudden in 2019, uh, the buildings in LA become gas pipelines and start shooting fire out the top. I was like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's kind of funny. It's like they were really uh, chained down by this timeline. <laughs> For 2049, it's like, that's not very far away. Yeah, <laughs> they probably would have pushed it out I a mean, little bit. It's still, it's that universe. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. in it's in its own universe. Yeah. For yeah, sure. I don't watch Blade Runner and think of it as it's in our real world. It's like a separate You don't think that's like going to happen in, in two, two years? years? Well, I think, I think of it as like future Earth. I mean, I don't, to get, an extreme, I don't yeah. get bothered by the timeline too much, but it's like, it's kind of like, well, it's a good thing he did it now because you're not yeah. going to be able to pull that off. But yeah. I mean, well. keep in mind, it's a 35 year old movie. So yeah. It's like, I mean, right. Minority Report is like 
2040 or something like that you know mm-hmm. like yeah we're gonna get to 2040 sure. and then we're gonna be like well my new report was way off <laughs> <laughs> they don't have murder balls <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it's really good that was probably like the fourth or fifth time I've i seen mean it. do we want to point out the major obvious question of the movie yeah of the first movie yes it's just huge spoiler alert for People have not seen. Well, yeah. I don't know why you well, if we just pose well, the question, it's just the question because it's not ever answered. True, there's not an explicit yes or no. Right, and that is whether or not Rick Deckard is a replicant. So uh, before we talk about it, I just want to know. See, I wouldn't want to know that question. Opinions watch, on you know whether I mean? he's a replicant or not, based um, on movie one. Based based on I just guess, just yeah. talking about the first movie, just about Blade Runner. Yeah. Yes, I was the on the Deckard is a replicant camp. Mm. Okay. I didn't know about this theory actually until we watched it the other week, yeah. and uh, yeah, that's so, when I was so what does illuminated. Think? I'd like to know everyone's opinion on that. Yeah. Uh, before I, so with the just the first one, <laughs> just Blade Runner, Matt's was... between a rock and a hard place. I would say I will, would say yes. I do think he's a replicant. Yeah, I, I totally bought into that. Everyone's a replicant. You, unicorns? Yeah. I mean, I was always my theory was that all the Blade Runners were replicants mm. back when I like first saw that movie, and that's been my theory this whole time. Mm. Was I that they're all replicants? Also thought that that might be a possibility. Mm. So yeah, we're in agreement then. Sounds yeah, like, and I agree. I think that's the canon right there. Mm. One thing I will say, as far as what doesn't hold up so much, and I think. Travis and I talked about this a little bit. Is the, the Rachel's super hairdo. cheesy Rachel's hairdo? Yeah. What was she no, thinking? Rachel's hair is the <laughs> best part of that movie. <laughs> um, no, I was gonna say uh, the cheesy saxophone bits. Like I know they're going for like the noir. Vibe. I don't understand. You don't like? No, oh, I didn't even. I didn't even sax? Some classic think shit. about it. I think it, it's. There's a, like a charm to the original Blade Runner. Yeah, that anything corny or it's not doesn't that I, add up quite well, it's a, right. It just it's kind of a noir, which is yes, it's like a sci-fi noir, which is sort of like I mean, old noirs are like kind of cheesy, noir. like exactly. yeah, they're very. Yeah. Cheesy. How do you feel about the rest of the music for the first one? Well, I love the the score overall. Yeah, it's just the the, the parts where he's just like you know walking with his trench coat through the streets <laughs> and he's just like. <laughs> 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 that was a little a little corny. Well, that, yeah, I mean that that major that big um, monologue where he's like narrating over the first what twenty minutes of the movie. Oh, that's, so that's not release. in the final. Only not in the, in the final right. cut. But they added that in for the U.S. release, and that's why a lot of critics didn't like it. it was because of that cheesy ass monologue mm-hmm. that they put in there. Well, the whole I mean his narrative throughout the whole thing in the theatrical cut is just. You, it sounds like he's being force fed to re- or forced to read it at gunpoint. Right, he's just grumpy Agreed. as hell. <laughs> he's like, "Yeah," and then this is what's happening. I guess, whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's an all time an all time sci fi classic. It was nice to revisit it, especially with some people who hadn't seen it before. So yeah, that's cool. Uh, any, uh, I mean, I'm sure we'll reference Blade Runner while we're reviewing the new one. But anything else? Nope, that's want to mention it. Before we dive in. Yeah. All right. Let's fucking do this thing. Uh, we have a clip from Blade Runner 2049. Let's listen. The Nicholas for the colonial ships. Closest any of them or any of us is going to get to that grand life off world. So come on now. What sort do you have in mind? 
Cause I got all kinds. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not buying. No, no, no. This is just my game, and I play it fair. No, no. I mean, bigger than you. Bigger than you would try to shut me down. Bigger than you, and they were, they were men at that. All right. So, Blade Runner 2049 is the latest film from Denny Villeneuve, who you would know from Arrival, Prisoners, Enemy, Sicario. He's a favorite on this podcast. I think we're all fans of his work. Uh, film stars Harrison Ford, Ryan Gosling, Anna de Armas, Dave Bautista, Robin Wright, Stave, and some other Stave. Stave are you Bautista? mispronouncing Steve? What? What are you talking about? Steve. Leave him alone, guys. <laughs> did I? I meant to say Dave. Did I not say Dave? Did I say Steve? Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, well, anyway, Steve Bautista. Uh, the plot synopsis reads, A young Blade Runner's discovery of a long-buried secret leads him to track down former Blade Runner Rick Deckard, who's been missing for 30 years. Before we move into like the discussion section, we'll go around the table and we'll just do brief general impressions. Um, let's just go in a circle. Jay, you want to kick things off? Wow. Mm. That's all I got on that. I'm just going to leave it at that. Until the discussion. That was awesome. <laughs> all right. No, even the discussion. Okay. It. <laughs> when I left the theater, I wasn't mad, but I was disappointed. Oh, fuck. What? <laughs> Wow. Here we go. <laughs> wow. All right. Except to Travis. Uh, I loved it. One of my favorite movies ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think only just like based on the way this movie looks and the feel of it, the plot could be complete shit and I would still love it. Enjoy and, it on And level. watch it more than once. Also wow, but with an added what? Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, some some Owen Wilson wows. Uh, yeah, I love this movie very, very much. Uh, I would say it's at least on par, if not better, than the original Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought it was better. Well, I'm going to get backed into a corner pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's better than the original. And besides the visual aesthetic of it, I didn't really care for it that much. Okay. Um, like, no, okay. The main well, thing, no, no, the main no, no, I, didn't, I didn't like about I was it was only it was because... super long and drawn out. It was pretty boring. The action was very like, there was minimal action and the action in the movie wasn't that thrilling to me. Okay. And it was... The story itself, it never surprised me. And, like, I don't even know if some of those, the stuff that happens in the movie was supposed to be a reveal or not. But I was never <laughs> shocked or, like, oh, this reveals things. I, I feel like I, I saw what was happening, like, halfway through the movie. And, yeah, it just, it didn't need to be three hours long. I would agree with you on that point, and only for the fact that halfway through the movie, I had to use the restroom because it was a three hour long movie and I have to pee all the time. <laughs> and I came back and was like, oh, this scene's not a big deal. They're just rehashing what they already talked about. 
And then what comes up later in the movie, I was like, fuck, I missed a very important scene. (laughs) (laughs) It's a... I definitely do not think it's boring. It's very long. If anything, it's less boring than the original Blade Runner. Mm. What I like... It has the same kind of moody atmosphere as the original, but this one takes a lot of the ideas that were in Philip K. Dick's novel, because that the book fleshes out the idea of what makes us human, you know, what's the difference between artificial intelligence and organic intelligence, you know, that's in the original Blade Runner, but it's... They're not as explicit with it, you know? This movie's a lot more explicit with how it deals with the notion of uh, the implications of replicating human life and whether What does it mean not, to be alive? This movie is more like what it's like to be a replicant, not what it's like to be a human. <laughs> but that's the point. I think the point is, is there a difference? Yeah, that's the point. Yes, there's definitely a difference. See, no, maybe I mean, if you, think you are about just like missing this, the whole point of this movie. <laughs> there isn't a difference, though. Because I mean, they're they're still they're still human, and for the longest this whole time until I saw this movie last mm-hmm. night, I always thought of these things as androids, robots. as yeah. robots, because the it's based off of a short story called "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep?" It's not and a short story; it's a it's a novel. It's a novella. I mean, it's, it's like it's for four hundred pages, dude. No, 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 it's it? not. Yeah. it's a short I own story. it. It's one of my favorite books. Wow. <laughs> it's definitely it's a it's a full one for everyone else's reference arguing with matt is like this all the time <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't no, i'm right it's my favorite i was i was thinking of them <laughs> as robots this whole time and then last night my wife and i walked out of the theater and i'm i keep saying oh crap i'm not getting the spoilers but anyway she mentioned um what are you thinking about why why do you keep saying they're robots <laughs> i'm like well that's what they are she's like no they're 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 uh, petri dish human beings. Yeah, they got those well, eyeballs and, and stuff. See, that's yeah, they're the clones. Part of it. I think the main question of the movie is like, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be alive? What is a soul? What does it mean to have a soul? And like those types of questions because they bleed, they die, they can get injured. They're superhuman. They're genetically modified. But a genetically modified corn is not a robot corn. See, yeah, I don't Correct. think I missed the point of the movie. It's just I didn't ever like empathize with any of them and. All the stuff at the end, I don't want to get into the specifics of it, but I didn't feel anything. You didn't empathize with the, the like, the replicants, the characters? No. The goss? No. You didn't tug at your heartstrings? No. Oh, man. Did you? We'll get into that in spoilers, I, but... I think that um, hmm. Ryan Gosling was good in his role, but I kind of feel like there are other actors that could have done the exact same thing. See, yeah. I felt the opposite. I felt like to play that sort of stoic inhuman type role he was perfect for that because he's great at not talking so he was just playing ryan gosling (laughs) but who wouldn't want to watch that well he has this weird delivery that's (laughs) almost robotic in itself but he was definitely channeling his stuff from like nicholas wayne reffin's movies like Mm. only god forgives or drive his character felt very similar to those at times for reference the director also uh, only had him in mind for this part originally Mm-hmm. Um, he's the perfect human. Well, yes, he is the perfect human. I will agree with Fact. that 100%. Um, oh, well, we're talking about Ryan Gosling, so you want to touch on performances in general? What did you guys think? I thought um, that the performances did walk that line of like kind of a distance or uh, 
a difficulty in relating, but also seeing the human come through. Like even some of the the evil characters have their moments where like they they shed a tear or two, and I I was. I was feeling that. Yeah, but didn't you notice that it was only the replicants that were really showing that much emotion? Mm-hmm. And that's the humans weren't really showing any emotion at all throughout the whole movie. Except, uh, well, yeah, that's definitely part of it. Except for Robin Wright, I would say. Like, but I she's very she's clear, stoic as well. She barely shows emotion throughout the movie. Like, I you don't can know. tell. She gets a little more animated. She's emotional through. When she's drinking the, her promo. Madam. Oh, madam. Yeah. yeah, she doesn't show, like, any emotion. Yeah, she, she shows stuff callous. through her actions and through her words, but she's very just like, nope, this is what's happening. I guess I, I more just mean, like, her tone, the way she delivers her lines is a little bit less, I mean, we keep using that word, but robotic, you know? I, I, and I felt like the, the way that, yeah, she didn't show emotion other than, like, anger, you know, the way the situation was unfolding, but... Um, I thought the performances in this movie were really strong. I don't really mm-hmm. think there was a weak link. Mm-hmm. I was worried about Jared Leto because he's so hit or miss for me. But uh, he was I good. Think, I, think I love Jared Leto all the time. Job is that character. I that character I'm always more awesome. worried about Harrison Ford. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, honestly, he's kind of he's kind of off his game lately. You see him duck waddle down the hallway. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> yeah he uh there are a couple uh hand-to-hand fight scenes in this movie and he can't throw a punch like he could in the indiana I just, jones days <laughs> like, awesome. he comes across more like the indiana jones harrison ford than the original blade runner harrison ford to me well i don't know because he's pretty grumpy in the original blade runner and he's very grumpy in this yeah but he's more grumpy old man than the like brooding like I don't like I'm depressed with my own life kind of character he is in the first movie. I don't know. I, it's a very small critique. I was I was happy with him. I overall. think it's because he found love and he decided to live mm, again. Okay. Is there it we better go. to have loved and lost than to have loved it all? That was wrong. I did that. <laughs> Harrison Ford would <laughs> we, say we definitely. Say. <laughs> I thought all the performances were good, but I don't think or I don't think any of them were bad either. Like there was mm-hmm. nothing that really stood out though to me as like a great performance. Yeah, it was definitely an example of a cast where there's no one standout performance that just like steals the show, but everybody is solid. Everybody mm-hmm. pulls their weight. There's no weak links. I really liked um uh Kay's like uh not girlfriend, AI but the, girlfriend. yeah, the like the the smart hologram. House? Yeah, smart house, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like that actress a lot. Ugh. And she's gorgeous too. Is, Were I'm you not, not a fan of her? I'm sorry, I'm not even I'm I don't mind mm. the actress. I mean her role in knock knock kind of turn me off of her for a little oh, while. I don't even know she's in Oh, that. she was in that? Oh, yeah, she was one of the girls. Knock Knock is terrible. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> she was um, in- I was trying to figure out what I what I recognized. Transponding too. Yes. Thank she's you. great in that. Well, she kind of plays a similar role in that she's mostly there as like a object to be desired by men. Um, yeah. I, I, I liked her and I liked, I don't know the actress's name, but uh, the one who plays Love. Mm-hmm. I liked her a lot. Yeah. I thought her, her performance she, she was blew really that, good. that part out of the water. Yeah. That Can was I dope. ask you guys a question about, because her name is Joy, the AI girlfriend. So a question about Joy. Um, did you... So I don't know if this would be getting into spoilers, but there's a part where one of the advertisements for her says, see whatever you want to hear. She'll tell you whatever you want to see mm-hmm. hear. Mm-hmm. She'll show you whatever you want to see. Do you think that as an AI character, she had her own motives motives and relationship? No, or do I you think... think she was just reflecting back what right. he wanted to hear? Yeah. 
because I mean that was the whole point of it. I think that that scene was a big turning point for Kay's character, Ryan Gosling's character, um, and that's when he realized that she was only playing the part. So he loved and then lost. Yeah, I see the way the way I I read that situation is kind of similar to uh kind of how uh her handles artificial intelligence mm-hmm. where it oh, it man. mirrors your own personality, you know, but it from the beginning, but it learns and grows and becomes uh its own you know, human not you know, souls maybe not the right word, but yeah, it's programmed to uh, you know, be uh, basically an artificial partner, you know, whether that is platonic or romantic. They are going to tell you what you want to hear, but at the same time, I feel like what makes it interesting is you don't get those vibes from her at all until you see those advertisements. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's in the trailer, but it's like the huge holographic version of her. She goes in uh, to like, I don't know, kiss Ryan Gosling or whatever. You know, like where he's where walking... she has pink hair? That's not her. Where he's walking down the street. Yeah, the giant hair, hologram. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, there's two. Uh, but the one where she like leans in is... Uh, that's a different... The giant no, one? No, the one where hologram. she has blue hair, That's it's the same program. It's the Joy AI girlfriend. Yeah. she have blue hair? Yeah. The hair is different, but she looks the same. And she can change her appearance. Like, she does that at the beginning. I mean, they show him like he has it set up like basic model, like hair color, eye color, skin color, accent. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think that the reason that these movies are so uh, interesting to me is because those questions are, they're supposed to be impossible to answer. You kind of have to choose for yourself whether or not you want to believe that the replicants and the AI characters are actually equivalent to humans, you know, in the sense that they have a soul or that they can be selfless or, uh, or whatever, or whether or not they're just programmed to be that way. That's what makes it so, like, such a special story for me. The only the only nitpick that I have with the movie, and it's not even really a nitpick, it was just the only elements of the film that I found to be a little disappointing, was the score. Yeah. I feel like the only, really? the only bits shit. that I liked were variations on the score from the original Blade Runner. Same yeah. here. Oh my See, God. and I felt <laughs> I very much the opposite. Even during the movie, I like there was a couple scenes when they're in the city and they use the traffic as sound to build tension for the scene. And I just thought that was amazing. See, for me, I didn't want Zimmer in my Blade Runner. I want Zimmer and my Nolan stuff and another stuff, but mm. this, it just felt like a half-assed You wanted score. one Tricks point never. Yeah, that would have been killer. <laughs> <laughs> Tangerine Dream soundtrack. Yes. I don't oh know. I, I, I really like the score. I thought it, I thought it was good. And I, I totally hear what you're saying about how referential it is to the original, but I just think that the things they did as a sequel to the original were, were cool. Like in the original, you get hints at... The world that they live in but but not a lot of detail and then the second movie really fleshes that out a little bit more completes those stories for you yeah but it's still you know still the same universe for, still has the me, same vibe the score just didn't take like any risk like i just feel like hans zimmer is such a capable guy and sure we'll just get him to do it he'll pump out something that's solid but it wasn't anything memorable yeah that's exactly where i'm coming from because yeah it just nothing it, it was effective but i wanted you know i wanted 
something to get stuck in my head or I wanted to feel like I want to listen to the score when yeah. I'm like, done with it. I did yeah. not get that at all. For example, in the original, like the first five minutes with like the opening main title track, like that just like sucks you right into the movie mm-hmm. by just the music. And it didn't do that for me at all, like throughout any scenes in this movie. Mm-hmm. I could so. see that. Hey, uh, I just wanted to go back because we kind of touched on it. The scene where, because you mentioned that how it plays with some of the same themes as her. And I wanted to touch on the scene where the girlfriend, like, sort of inhabits the prostitute's body. We should talk about that in in spoiler. I mean, not that it's, like, a major plot point, but, like, that was one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. That scene was so fucking bad, and that is It was so so bad because you guys all know my opinion on her. That is like the worst movie ever made. Oh my god. You're Oh my god, I was so pissed when that scene started coming up. <laughs> and that's I... all that's all I was I was saying this to my wife is I was like, Are you fucking serious? Are they doing her right I now? I was and so like, happy yeah, because they did her, but they actually did it. Like they didn't just like, oh fuck, well, he got weirded out because she's a human. Oh like, my god, that that scene was like seven minutes long. They needed to cut I that shit that down to so thirty sexy seconds. When they had the double hands on the back of his neck, Ugh. I was like, I'm it into it. So cool <laughs> too. It looked like, full on into it. Well, I mean, let's just talk about it. It's really it's in kind of inconsequential. Visually, it, I don't it think was it would be a pretty cool. I'll give you that. Like but the double hands and like the was, weird where she's hologramming the image over her would face flicker in and, and out. like it would be off slightly, and he was and holding they, like, one and they combine their faces it doesn't look totally like either of them well it goes back and forth so it'll show yeah it's like snapchat (laughs) like snapchat (laughs) they used some high-tech snapchat technology (laughs) well that the the part of the reason why that sequence was so impressive to me because yeah like you said it would kind of there were times where it was like a seamless merger of the two but it would just like kind of seem off there were times where joy's Face was more prominent, and then there were times where, uh, I don't know the character's name, but... Prostitute. The prostitute. Well, we should explain what we're talking about. So, essentially, Ryan Gosling's love interest is, like, a holographic companion, essentially. So, he buys... girlfriend. He buys what's called... Was it an an enabler, or... uh, An actor? Something something like that. It's basically, like, a little stick that he carries with him. There you go. It's an emulator. Yeah, it's like a it's like a portable version of her. Basically, it's basically because it it's seems like projector. she's yeah. combined to the apartment. So he gets this thing so that she can go with him anywhere. Because yeah. she's like by that little track that's like installed on his rooftop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's like the, the Nintendo Switch. It can only yeah, span. Like <laughs> it can only span like the hallway, the kitchen, and the living room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she's. It seemed like she actually wanted to experience being outside and. But how much of that is her, like, wanting to experience that? Or him thinking that she would want that, so she's mirroring that back to him? Mm -hmm. Well, what's the first thing she wanted to do? She just wanted to go outside and stand in the rain. And I feel like that was, like, a pure moment of, like, joy for her. That was pretty cool she started to, like, emulate Mm -hmm. the rain landing on her. And then she was able to, like... Yeah, that whole scene was I mean, I know this movie is long, but I feel like the length is necessary to fully develop all the different things that they're trying to do. And the romance stuff, I I dug the romance stuff. I thought it worked. I thought they had, like, a well-developed relationship that, you know, uh, had a serious consequence. Yeah, And I think it worked well within the commentary, the general commentary of, like, the point of the movie. Hmm. So you guys were bringing up sci-fi elements from other movies? 
like her and I think there's a little bit of Ex Machina oh, in here as well. Oh, I think those yeah, movies for sure. did it better. And then also no. the whole <laughs> what it is to be human, Under the Skin does it way better than this movie. I don't know about Under the Skin. I would say her does a better job. And Ex Machina. You as think far her as the... does a better job of what it means to be human? Yes. I don't think in relation to the AI girl, but the, the replicant versus the humans, you think her does a better job? Yes. Yeah. I would strongly well, disagree. <laughs> anyways, I think you guys should all rewatch. I mean, that's, I mean these movies are all Machina, taking cues from each other. Machina is totally different scenario if you're talking about the replicants being human. You're talking about AI in... Correct. Yeah, Yeah, I'm talking... AI is not the same as replicant intelligence. Right, but why I feel like the reason why Ex Machina is so effective for me is because, yes, she's very clearly not human, but what makes the ideas in that film so interesting and provocative for me is that by the end of the movie you start the line starts to blur it's just like well yeah we're all flesh and bone but like what is, what is it that makes us human it's our empathy it's our ability to you know have interactions yeah, but now, with other now we're like relating human humans to feelings as if we're the only thing that have feelings because we're human because we're physically human but well, the feelings and emotions we feel have nothing to do with being human so now now that blows your mind, right? Us, <laughs> us as humans don't even... I mean, we are. We think we are humans and that nothing else has the feelings that we have. Well, I think we bullshit. define, like, being human versus being, like, an animal with, like, the higher level of thinking. But, like, if you go that way, any AI program would have that same concept of mm. higher level thinking. We, we should get into spoilers on this movie. <laughs> Anything... <laughs> Before we do that, oh. let's talk about what we all agree on, which is that this movie is gorgeous. Yes. Yes. Beautiful, stunning. We should say this is one of the best looking movies I've ever seen. Oh, totally. Every love, scene yeah. is incredible. Just, vistas on this film are uh, amazing. Um, yeah. The thought, Topaz Waterlight Mansion oh, that the yeah. Evil yeah. Are you cool. kidding me? Everything is just like reflecting oh, golden yeah. water. Well, and I really liked how they took some of the themes of the first movie where everything's like half shadowed and dark. And they did that in some scenes, but mostly used light. In a the really... slats of light? Yeah, they mostly used light to really create great setting in that. Deacons is the king of light. Okay. He, he has to win the Oscar yeah. this year. He has to finally get yeah, it this year. If he doesn't get it this year, what the fuck? Burn yeah. the Academy to the <laughs> ground. Like, come on. <laughs> They're going to have to just change the name to the Roger Deakins Award. <laughs> <laughs> He's I, fucking due. Like, besides the actual visuals of uh, the movie, just the way that they seamlessly integrated CGI was like... Amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, there was never a moment Nothing where I was like, really oh, shit. this is taking me out a little bit. Mm-hmm. This, yeah. And it was crazy is that how good the Grand Vistas are, even when they're so fogged out that you can barely see them, and mm-hmm. they still blow you away. Mm-hmm. I think what makes this movie special in some sense in terms of uh, visuals is like all the different textures that you get. Everything is very, it feels very real. Like Ryan Gosling's coat that he's wearing the whole time has you know like the leather and then the shearling inside collar and it just feels kind of like dirty you know mm-hmm. you can, but you feel like you could read out reach out and touch it and then uh, jared leto's character has that scene with the goop on the girl and he's just like rubbing his hands mm-hmm. all over oh it's so when he, when he kisses her that little string of slime comes. Uh, on it's his so <laughs> visceral it's just 
like you're there. It, it feels, I mean, this is part of what made the original Blade Runner so effective as well, is that it just feels lived in, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it just feels like a real fleshed out world. It doesn't feel like sets. And if, yeah, this movie, like, I would say visually, it's immaculate. Like, it is incredible. Like, there was never a moment where I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's corny, or that doesn't look as good as any, as the other stuff. You know, mm-hmm. it was just like across the board. Like, every scene, I was just like, God, that's so cool. And not just, like, the set design, like, the, this, the, uh, like that, like, you were talking about the Jared Leto's, like, fortress or whatever. <laughs> There's just that, like, the, the crazy, um, it's basically like a platform in water, mm-hmm. and then you have like the dark. It's so like the beautiful. light that goes around, so different parts of the room are in shadow, and there's just characters who just are always like, stepping out of shadow and stuff. Like it's super cool and moody. Got the dusty old hotel all around. Why he has water all around? Yeah, why? Why he's always got water in his room? Because uh, water sound reflects off of water very well. So any sort of sound made in that area would he would be able to hear with no huh. problem. Oh, well, I guess that he's kind of plays into the that fact that, that he's blind, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he has to... I hadn't thought about that. Even though he has those little flying fish that he can choose to use <laughs> Those are kind of creepy, the sound oh, of those things. Oh, so Honestly, the so sound of the clicking that the camera made super reminded me of... It's like the Predator of, click. Yeah, well, I was thinking, because the original was Ridley Scott, and it made me think of, like, the alien, the sort of inhuman, like... Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, man, I think, I think Jay's onto something with this whole, like, the human characters having more like robotic and inhuman qualities than the replicants have because like the clicking and he's got the, these like mechanical I'm so interested modifications to himself and uh and then Robin Wright's character she she you know she's walking the line but she's very you know she has her goals and that's all she seems to care yeah, about yeah. so I think that also adds into the whole like general concept of the movie of like the hu- the replicants are more human than human like you know that's she it's says that at one point. Yeah. Well, it's that's from the first movie too. Yeah. Wait, before we get off of setting though, I did want to say, did you guys notice it was like either raining or snowing during the entire movie? Oh, God, LA has never been rainier. I know. <laughs> and that was all I could think of. I was like, is this is this future LA where acid rain? Yeah, yeah. there's no longer and snow. I'm sorry, snow does not exist in LA in, in real life. Like that's not a that's thing. That's what it's nuclear fallout. I mean, I thought that was a whole scenario. The blackout. No, I yeah, really, the, yeah, I really World like war. It. World War Nexus, I think they called it, mm. and I think there was nuclear fallout. An and that awesome was the World whole War scenario name. of 2019. Yeah, which well, was the, the, original, original the blackout, later. right? During... Well, the blackout took out took place in 2022, 2021, because the, the no 2022, because I don't know if you guys all know about the three short films that take place in between. Blade Runner. I didn't watch it. But they, but they referenced in the film when he looks up the dates of October 6, 2021, that, that they don't have data on it because it was during the blackout. No, no that, blackout was, that was June 20th. It took place before the blackout, so the blackout wiped was, out everything. Well, that happened that's what in I thought. So maybe I misread miss, yeah. that. One of our listeners can send in a timeline definitive <laughs> correction. Speaking <laughs> of Fallout, this movie did feel like the video game Fallout. <laughs> Besides what? the obvious shot, says the guy who's never played Fallout. <laughs> no, I played Fallout Four. Did you? I, I put about ten hours in. I got the oh, gist I of it. Ten yeah. hours. I, I got the gist. <laughs> Besides the obvious shot of uh, Dave Bautista's character in that suit, um, just Ryan Gosling wandering around desolate areas exploring, and especially when he gets to that when they uh, they travel out to is it Vegas? The mm-hmm. off world. I yeah. think that was an off world planet, right? No, it was Vegas. Which part? Wait, which part are we talking about? What's the Where difference? His, okay. Did this whole movie take place on Earth? Yes. 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 
Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say when his car gets shot <laughs> down, I don't want to call Los like, Angeles. I mean, the title. Well, no, I mean, like, most, there's parts that are, like, Los Angeles, that was San, San Diego. Diego, but there's parts that aren't labeled yeah, locations, and I just assume that they were off-world. Like, the first scene, is that not an off-world no, he shot? Won't. I don't think you would be God allowed to go off-world. God damn it. Yeah, that's I, the whole thing. I... Off-world is desirable, right? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So People don't want to be travel to another another colony off of the planet without even like so much as a spaceship scene he's driving a flying car i just kind of was like yeah, <laughs> good enough. okay we should get into spoilers because we've been talking for a long time yeah there's still a lot to, there's still a lot to talk <laughs> about well this so. is a three hour movie okay we know we're at least I <laughs> we were there. a three hour podcast <laughs> okay so spoilers for blade runner 2049 Wait. Are we Another thing? Radiance first? I oh, we... right. Yeah, we changed up the format. Uh, it's five out of five, like for sure. Yeah. Five out of five. I was going to give it a five out of five. But now you're going to give it a six. fucking sex scene came up. Oh, so don't I'm gonna so give you it, gave I'm it a, a ten, 10 out, out of five. I'm it a four and a half. Don't oh, make no. your problems Bullshit. this movie's problems. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> but otherwise, um, I loved it. Five out of five, if you don't mind the movie, her. <laughs> I feel like that that scene should have bumped it up to a six. If you see a four yeah. right now, Travis, like oh, we're done. Man. He's gonna give it. Less <laughs> this this than is that. over. Travis so, is mad. I, I feel like I could benefit from a rewatch. Mm. But as of right now, it stands at a three point five. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> You're Got insane. It. For reference, Matt's trying to flip this. What did the survivalist countertop table? <laughs> Real quick. What I did the survivalist get? Four and a half. That oh, was this My is God. a fucking nightmare. <laughs> it's so subtle and it's it's great. It's so bleak. It's anyways. Um, back to my point about Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Um, I'm blanking. <laughs> he has no good points. Oh, right, yeah, like yeah. No, I was going to say that uh, I feel like it's hard to give this movie a negative review, though. Even people who don't like it, I feel like they still have to give it a pass because the visuals of it. It's Is that the only beautiful. reason I got a 3.5? Armand White didn't give Most it a pass. Did you see well, that? he doesn't give a pass to anything. He's the anti-critic. He's the fucking worst. Who? Uh, Armand White. You're getting a little. If you uh, so if you go he on sounds Ron, like an asshole. if you go on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> if it's fresh, mm. he gave it a rotten review. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it's if the movie overall is rotten, he liked that shit. Mm-hmm. He's just the biggest contrary. So he's there just is. Contra- yeah, well, he knows so much about film that he he can spin it any way he wants. Like he, he tries can- to make everything political, so yeah. he's like very conservative. So he like his review of this movie is like he's trying to like turning and he like is stretching so hard to make it a political liberal thing. propaganda man that's, yeah that's essentially the gist of his review I mean, he's a fucking crazy person. all sci-fi <laughs> is essentially like almost always a usually bleak look at the future so it's kind of like this could be where we are where we go fuck this shit <laughs> yeah armand white sucks he's also one of the only critics who gave get out a poor review and, and he's Toy even Story black. 3, he didn't right? even give it like the didn't black give... pass. Like Jordan Peele. <laughs> didn't Hell he give yeah, brother. Toy Story 3 rotten review and he was like one of the first yeah, ones he's to knock it down. One of the 100. only people <laughs> that gave Toy fucking Toy How Story 3. <laughs> he's a monster. He's Wait, what he's did he give Toy Story 3? A negative review. That man is not a human. <laughs> yeah, no, he's not. He's a replicant. He's obviously a replicant. <laughs> he's an older model replicant. He doesn't have any emotional memories to make him human. I'm going to send this guy a Facebook message. Gonna, Tweet at him. I'm going to DM him. <laughs> Slide into his DMs. No one likes you. <laughs> <laughs> Go eat shit. <laughs> okay, now, 
Let's get into spoilers. So starting now, check the show notes if you've not seen it. All right, pick pick something for us to talk about, Matt. What what's 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 on your mind? What troubles you? Well, uh, the what's the not the point of the movie? The plot of the movie. Ryan Gosling discovers that uh, the the movie basically opens with him going to this farm on a hit to kill this replicant. Dude, on a hit, Steve Bautista is hanging out there making some grits on the on the stove or whatever the fuck he's doing and i think they were slugs fun fact about this scene is that it was supposed to be the opening for the original blade runner but they and they actually shot it but didn't include it in the movie so that's why really? they did it in this one wow Wait, really yeah that's pretty cool you know because we don't really get to see harrison ford actually succeed in anything in the first movie he mainly fumbles his way through success <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's kind of fact true, huh? actually he's less of a detective and more of like a super lucky dude <laughs> yeah <laughs> happens to run into people all the time and just an alcoholic who prefers noodles well i mean there's I mean, still the biggest question <laughs> there's still the biggest question still left from the first movie See, I feel like because of this movie, I now don't think Deckard is a replicant. Because he aged. I agree, but... But what's... Why do people think that replicants don't age? The only reason replicants didn't age in the first one is because they had a six-year lifespan, right? And they were no, robots. No, they had a three- well, to four-year okay, lifespan. Okay, whatever. They had a few-year lifespan, mm. and, and they didn't have time to age. So when he made the Nexus 8... Something. So they the Nexus have... Seven was Rachel. The Nexus Eight was like no. The, Rachel was the, the Nexus Eight. Seven. No. When they look at her eyeball and they find her bones, or not her eyeball. I'm sorry. When they look at the eyeball, the Nexus Eight is the guy he kills in the first thing. When they look at her bones, the serial number on that is N Seven because oh, she was okay. because the Nexus Six was the most recent model in the original Blade Runners. Paris, are you the a Nexus secret like is... Blade Runner super fan? What's happening? Well, no, because the Nexus Eights, the, <laughs> I like the to have new a lot ones of are Nexus Eights. About interesting movies. <laughs> Ryan Gosling's the Nexus Eight, like the newer models after Tyrell Corporation went down. Everything after the blackout is Nexus Eight. She was the Nexus Seven because she was part of an experiment. But he thought she was a Nexus Six. So right. okay, so the whole crux of the movie is that she was able to give birth Mm. so we know that a replicant gave birth and the child is unaccounted for so ryan gosling for a lot of the movie and on cannot give birth for sure right because he can't replicate it because jared that's his whole goal (laughs) jared leto uh what's his character's name do you guys know wallace wallace Wallace. yes wallace is trying to the reason why he wants to find the child so much is so that he can study it because he's been trying to uh basically create a replicant that can procreate because they they get into this idea of how the the demand far outweighs the supply he can't make enough replicants can i ask you produce for slave labor can i ask you guys about that so does this mean that them producing replicants in their quote-unquote replicant factory or whatever takes more than nine months and that they would be able to use tiny baby replicants as slaves because that seems like a very inefficient way to make new models. No, they're not babies. The first, the first well, they're not babies when they're created, but if he's trying to search for actual, like, hmm. birthed replicants, it would take nine months for them to, you know, be born, and then they come out as babies. But he can still create new ones the way he's been doing it, but then they can procreate, and then they have kids, so I mean, then you're just, like, doubling down. To me, it seems down. like such a slight advantage. Like, he was like, 
we have millions, we need trillions. Like, yeah. like people reproducing are not going to, that's well, not going to happen quickly. I mean, a million, quickly. and then each of them have a baby, and you have two. I mean, it doubles every time, and pretty soon but you're going to so have... But so slowly. Like, I think... It would have to be at least, like... Unless you genetically modify 10. them to age faster. Mm, okay. I guess that's Paris, true. it took us a while to get where we are, so... That's Worth what I'm it. Saying. <laughs> I think, I think Leto's character, although he's explicit about his acceptance and uh, encouragement of slave labor, I think what is more compelling and more to the point about him wanting to create something that procreates is his his god complex. He is the creator. He talks about like clay and stuff, and he and wants angels. to yeah, and he wants mm-hmm. to create an angel, basically. Yeah. Well, he's they're creepy. all angels to him, right? Yeah. Well, he wants to create a better angel. I think he wants to create angel. a human. <laughs> well, he wants right? to... Yeah. He's created angels, but they can't reproduce. So he wants to create a human. Right. In yeah, this, very in this movie, it seems like that's the defining moment is if you can reproduce, you're a human. But essentially, so for a lot of the movie, I don't know if you think this, but you're meant to believe that Ryan Gosling thinks that he is that child because he discovers that there was supposedly a male and a female. The female record was scrubbed because she died and then the male went to this orphanage. So then it deals with implanted memories. No. Well, because the the reason why he thought the female died and the boy disappeared. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So he thought he was the boy. But the female didn't die. She is the actual child. I'm just yeah. Well, and I wanted to talk to you guys about this because uh, the people... Sorry. No, no, you're fine. I was going to say all that stuff's obvious. I mean, I don't... Were you guys like... I saying it's not obvious. Were you guys like okay, so, blown away at the end or like were you surprised at all at the end when the reveal happened? That he wasn't the son? Yeah. No. Okay. Because I didn't know if you were yes. supposed to be or not, but I I mean, this like, isn't Shawshank Redemption. No, definitely not. <laughs> there was no great reveal where you pull pull aside a poster and you go, what? Just because it wasn't surprising doesn't mean it wasn't provocative or like... You know, but I mean, I just saw it coming like halfway through the movie. So when you actually do find out what happens, it, it wasn't exciting yeah. or... I was actually annoyed <laughs> when I thought that they were trying to say that Ryan Gosling was the son. I was a little disappointed so, in that. So, I see, that's the other side, right? Is because if he is this special Neo character, right? He's, then it's kind of cliche. So you can go either way. You can say, oh, this didn't surprise me enough or whatever. But he ends up finding out he's not the special person. And he still makes the choices that he makes. And that's what's supposed to be, like, impacting. Don't ever compare K to Neo. Well, I mean, I feel like I'm okay. actually, I'm actually comparing them as opposites right now. <laughs> well, I mean, they're both supposed to be like Jesus characters, except Kay finds out. Just kidding, you're not Jesus. You're just some dude hanging out. Well, then that's when Jesus he had to reclaim his humanity, right? His that was his final push to feel like a true human was sacrificing himself to bring Harrison Ford to his daughter. Right. Yeah. Well, then not only that, but he's also there's that like faction of replicants who basically want to have like a revolution. And yeah, does that mean that there's going to be a part three? I don't think so. Oh, God, I, I hope, hope not. not. I just think that <laughs> was more so, of just an interesting idea of, you know, oppression and these people who feel that they're more human than human. They've witnessed a miracle. You know, they've seen a replicant can give birth. They well, feel like they are owed the same rights that any other human. So I deserves. did have a couple nitpicky things about this movie, and that was one of them because okay, so she was born thirty-ish years ago, right? 
So why all of a sudden now are they like, yep, this is the moment. There was a miracle. Let's rebel now. Let's have I a revolution now. I think they're just building up for 30 years. Not satisfactory. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay. So they're building up for 30 years. Still, what is the catalyst now? Well, the catalyst is that they, Ryan Gosling discovers, he goes out to that compound and he finds proof of right, that. Right, but in regards to the revolution, to the rebel, to the rebel um because the corporation was now or never, they had no other choice. Yeah, because the Wallace Corporation is now aware they're that on. It's they've they've got they're on the scent, you know. So like, basically, they're just chilling for thirty years, and all of a sudden, like, all right, we got to kick this in a okay, high motion. Okay, so <clears throat> if they, I mean, you're acting like as soon as the baby was born, that all these people knew about it. I mean, is that is that the case? Not because that orphanage was for real children, right? Yeah. Those are real children. So, or I mean, hu- human children, air quotes. Um, it's, so, therefore, if that kid is being sent to the orphanage, then it's gonna it's known as a human child. No one knows about this replicant birth, except for that replicant lady that carved her eye out. Did that? Did she say that she, she was, was there? Oh, she was, she there. was there. That's, right, that's right, how right. she knew it was the daughter. You're right. Um, so that's so why I'm yeah, saying, I like, maybe she I could understand, slowly... like, not okay. immediately after, but 30 years later, like, what are they going to do, lady? Though? Have you just been chilling out for 30 years? Yeah, but the, she, she's dealing with now new lines of Nexus 8s that are obedient ever since, because the prohibition happened right after the first Blade Runner movie, mm. right? And then uh, Wallace came in and had the meeting with them and showed them that his new Nexus 8s. Um, would do anything he says. And he had his next day walk up and slit his throat in this short film. Um, it's it's with Jared Leto. Like he's, he, they really? did this little five-minute short film to show how he ended the prohibition of the replicants. Hmm. And um, and he made his android or his replicant like slice his throat right there in the office building. Hmm. And then prohibition ended. And so the new replicants were obedient. And that was the big selling point on that. Except- so she had to deal with whether or not these replicants would be obedient enough to turn her in if she even tried to bring them the idea of a revolution. Okay, so so she's just kind of stewing for <clears throat> and a that, shit long time. And that prohibition happened for like 10 years. Was it really? Yeah, because it's it was like it's like right before Blade, um, 2033, I think. So it's mm-hmm. like um, a little over 10 years that that prohibition lasted. Okay, so it's only really been 15 years after prohibition in the... Correct. Movie. That makes more sense. Who's more well versed in the Wikipedia page, Jay? Or <laughs> I've never been on. I'm the just Wikipedia. kidding. <laughs> Jay has never. I wrote on on his Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Page. Jay's been on the lamb. He can't access Wikipedia. <laughs> okay, so we could probably go on for like another thirty minutes if we wanted to, but we should we should try. I to was, wrap this I was losing out. interest. Travis is bored. He fucking hates. Ghost of the Shell is better. Get fucked. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, Do you think it's do you think if this movie was an hour and a half shorter that you would have enjoyed it more? Yeah, probably. Ugh. Or if it had some uh, action like Dunkirk did, maybe. Oh my See, gosh. See, you, you, you cited like action as a negative. Oh. There's no action in the first Blade Runner. I was going to mention. Oh, well, I'll say that as far as like pacing goes, they're both about the same, but this one's no. 45 minutes longer. This, no, I this, feel like there's the so much on more. This is crazy better. The pacing in the first one, I, it's two hours and you feel it feel those two hours about the three hours okay i it flew it flew by for me <laughs> don't tell me what disagree. i didn't feel did you guys like the, the <laughs> I, scene i felt, I felt it. the scene in the um 
the Las Vegas with the hologram Elvis. Oh, when they have like the the, the little scene yeah, it, yeah. With the, I liked the that Elvis it was music unsettling. is like coming in. Around. I loved it. it was cool. I liked the tension. Was awesome. the, the end fight sequence showdown was such a letdown. No oh, way! That, that was, was one of the best sequences in the whole movie. <laughs> you mean when no. he chokes her out and you're just staring at her? And face? he's holding her above the water. I'm like, put her underneath Man. the water, bro. She's such a good character. <laughs> she was great, but yeah. she's complicated. She's such a little monkey. Yeah. She's a stooge to her. Uh, her name's Monkey. <laughs> when she cries, when he slips. I know, I know, but she wants movement. the same things that the other replicants wants. It's just she's working for the wrong person. Yeah. She also, I think, wants to be the obedient replicant, but isn't. Does she want to? Because she kind of like well, enjoys saying, "You don't think we lie." I'm going to tell my boss this. Right, but yeah. she's ultimately doing that for him. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. she's she's like they, there's the implication that she's the only one that Wallace has given a name to. Because Ryan Gosling makes that comment about how oh Neo. he gave you a name, huh? He named yeah. her Neo. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, yeah. Anything else? Can I touch on one more thing? I yeah. know I've been bogarting a little bit, but um, so. I was trying to figure out in this movie, uh, from a female perspective, whether this movie was commenting on female sexual exploitation or just being exploitative of (laughs) female sexuality. I honestly wish it would have went a little further with it. Travis wanted to see some bush. In what what regard? Because they just barely scratched the surface. I mean, do you think there's ever going to be a future where they had an artificial intelligence? They had an AI girlfriend (laughs) fuse with a prostitute to have sex with the main character. I feel like that's well, and just like the part in the in the Vegas scenes when they They the the cameras like (laughs) lovingly going over the giant naked female statues. Who are naked but still wearing high heels for some reason. Like, I don't know. I was just... It, it took me out for a second. It was another nitpick. I think it's thing, supposed but... to be a commentary on humanity. But it's also... I don't know. It's in line with the original as well. Don't high heels the, make your butt look In better? the real world, too. They make mine look better. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I, before we... We need to wrap this up. But before we do, we, we didn't finish... We keep going on tangents. We didn't finish the part where... Harrison Ford or Rick Deckard is the father. The mother is Rachel, who is the replicant in oh, Nexus yeah, Seven. They have a child. Mm. The child ends up working for the Wallace Corporation as like a designer of memories, so the implanted memories. So you first meet her, and I was talking to Paris about this a little bit, but when I first saw that character, she's basically in like a glass room, so she has like a hologram thing and she takes pictures basically and she's designing these memories when i first saw her there was this just like super uncanny feeling that i had where i was like i i feel like i might recognize the actress but Mm -hmm. i don't know if i do there's just something about her and at that point in the movie uh i wasn't sure yet that she was the uh the replicant child essentially so then when she comes back at the end i see her again i was like oh my god they cast an actress who looks exactly like rachel from the first blade runner and it connected immediately because it was really their facial structure like they look so similar and that's where it was coming from because she looks she was like perfectly cast as the daughter of harrison ford she was almost as well cast as the one who actually played rachel uh that was actually the original actress (laughs) 
<laughs> she hasn't aged a day in 35 no, years. No, I'm serious. That was the original actress. That they CGI'd her face. Yeah. Well, yeah oh, like a CGI. Carrie Fisher Sean, type thing. It was Sean Young. She came back for it. I heard James Wood made her crazy. She was all sending headless dolls to his house after their relationship. James Woods? Yeah. Like, ooh, piece of candy, James Woods? Yeah. They were married. They were married. <laughs> <laughs> they were married. Uh, and then also, uh, very brief, uh, Edward James Almost was in this one again. He was one of the few returning characters yeah. from the first one. Yeah. I did really like that he did a little origami sheep as a nice throwback, mm-hmm. too his unicorn dream thing and then you know do android stream of you know that you, you, what do you think that symbolized <sighs> on being on the lamb goats are cool <laughs> deckard's on the lamb mm-hmm. well was it a sheep it was a sheep uh i thought it was a sheep and i asked the two people that i went with and they were like i don't know some sort of four-legged animal and then looked it up and it was a sheep it looked it like a sheep, a sheep. <laughs> yeah i immediately was like that's a sheep but apparently it was a nod to do Android stream electric sheep, but I thought it also could be a, mm. an interesting, like, another, like... We're all sheep. We're all sheep. Like, are we, like, people who generally, like, follow, you know, so, follow orders are sheep? I have a quick question. Um, they have the same DNA, Ryan Gosling's character and no. the daughter. He looks it up. He says two humans can't have the same DNA. They don't. They, they fudged it. They faked a copy because they don't have the same DNA. Okay. There's that moment at the end where it's like a little bit of a montage where they're like retreading stuff that was said before. And part of it yeah. was someone said, I think the, the chick who carved her eye out, they were like, we, you know, we... we... I trained them how to cover their tracks. He yeah, was, yeah. He was just supplanted with her memories. Got some it. of her memories. But he's just a normal replicant. Yes, he's just a replicant. But the memory is hers. That's why when uh, their daughter... Mm. I thought maybe he was a clone of a replicant. Yeah, I wasn't really sure. I don't think that's... He couldn't be a clone of her because he's a dude. But she... (laughs) I'm not going to argue with that. I don't... (laughs) One thing that I'm a little unclear of is the significance of Ryan... Because she she states, oh, it's illegal to put... But I think that was her saying what she needed to say. But she also says there's a little bit of the artist in everything. So I think that was her way of saying she does... She does use real memories, but she's saying, oh, that's illegal. I thought she was just saying, like, you know, the artist... Like, it's like your voice in your own writing, you know? She's gonna be present in those memories even if they're not explicit recreations of her own memories and then and then she recognized one of her own memories and she didn't necessarily implant those she would have been too young to implant those in ryan gosling but um well i guess she might not have been too young she could have done that when she was like we don't even know how long how how old he is yeah yeah you're right so we don't know that well i mean i think that's the thing is i think she implanted that memory into multiple replicants yeah. And that is what started the revolution. I got the impression that it was subconscious. Like, she didn't realize mm. that she was borrowing from That's her why experience. she was being emotional when she saw it, is because she knew what was happening. And that. And, and then the moment she realized can that she that sub- is her memory. But I right. don't get the impression yeah. she is that did it intentionally. Yes. Can you non-intentionally totally, supplant a memory? That's what... Oh, yeah, that's the whole... Point That's of the subconscious. You don't necessarily realize that what you're creating is actually something from your own memory and not from your imagination. Hold on. Whatever, we're know? gonna get bogged down again. Yeah. But <laughs> quick question. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I think Another <laughs> quick question. Uh why would her memory being in tons of replicants be 
necessary for the revolution. Because what is special they would, about her they would all think they're that Jesus Christ. They all think that that they're is the one. They're the one that is the human replicant. But they would have had to go through like the whole scenario that Ryan Gosling's character goes through. Well, yeah. see, if, I if they thinking... had the will to do that, or or maybe the eyeballless lady, uh, you know, that's what maybe mm-hmm. she told them that maybe maybe she just let them know, and she knew that that memory was implanted. Because that's what she said is that when the rev- the revolutionaries were showing up, she had mentioned that we all, I'm pretty sure she said we're, we're, we all thought we were the one at one point. Hmm. And that's what the spark is, is that will to survive and change your destiny. See, I thought that was more just commenting on the fact that like regular people, you know, everyone thinks they're special. But like no one really is. Well, I, I mean, that's, definitely what, that's definitely what the death <laughs> scene said. I mean, I think that's part of the larger point of the movie and like right. what it means to right. human and all that like is anyone really unique can you really be special are you the one you're always the one special in your own story mm-hmm. all right we gotta get i wanted to bring up two things nothing to do with <laughs> storylines who cares <laughs> we're getting bogged down but also so, you know how the first one was like a sci-fi noir yeah. i just feel like this was like a sci-fi western I could see that. It definitely didn't have the same noir. It definitely didn't have the same noir feeling. It was a sci-fi action movie. I mean, they didn't even <laughs> with no go... action. Got him. I mean, it's a, it's a... <laughs> it was it was definitely a more traditional sci-fi than the first. It's... Well, no, like mainly like the the last like fifteen twenty minutes just like reminded me of a western movie where kind of like the you know the good guy or the sheriff that you've been following the whole time like has like a. Uh, a nice little send off, you know? No? Maybe not? <laughs> I didn't get one. <laughs> okay, and then. It no. still felt like a noir to me. No, definitely not. And neither the saxophone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, Critical I I missing <laughs> element. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get the noir feeling towards it, to it this time. I mean, it was definitely. Um, it. And, oh. You know, westerns are kind of long and boring, just like this movie, so. You don't get the. <laughs> <laughs> It's another detective story. It's, it's really not it's that different from the first one. One other thing is that I want to ask: What do you? Where does this rank in uh, Villeneuve's filmography? Ooh, better than Arrival. No. Okay, so we've got Arrival. We've got <laughs> Enemy, Arrival, Sicario, <laughs> Prisoners, Prisoners, and Incendies. But hmm. oh, number one is what? Oh, this is number one for you. This is number oh, one, Blade okay. Runner. Yeah, it might be. It might be number one. You guys one. are going to hate me, but Prisoners is number one. <laughs> number one? Really? Oh, yeah. And I need to watch that. Again. I like Prisoners a lot. Be, uh, Sicario. I love Sicario. Sicario is... This crazy. guy, like... I love all of it, honestly. Yeah. He is maybe the best working filmmaker. Like, who has a better streak going on right now than this fucking guy? It started with Incendies. Come on. <laughs> what? No one. No way. No way. Uh-uh. He proved he's the king. I mean, Incendies, <laughs> incredible. Prisoners, incredible. Enemy, incredible. Sicario, incredible. Um, Arrival, incredible. Blade Runner, like, who, who can touch incredible. this guy? Incendies is not incredible. Yes, it is. No. Yes, it is. It's boring. I mean, it's, you're boring. boring. <laughs> so boring. <laughs> it's so good. Emotionally affecting, like, harrowing. Like, that movie is no. top notch. No. Oh, wait, are we still talking about Blade Runner? No, fuck Blade Runner. Wait, one more thing. One more thing. (laughs) One more. Okay. So we're dealing with three scenarios with the child. 
the child. <laughs> One more thing. Okay, three. We have three <laughs> scenarios. Well, three scenarios on the topic of the child. Yeah, yeah. The child is either half replicant, half human, or it's um, you know, full. Or could it be like two replicants made a human and or a replicant? I'm really glad you touched on this because that sort of goes back to the. Is Harrison Ford a replicant or not? Exactly. Man, it's one of the best things about the movie so is what, they don't answer the question that everyone knew was going to be oh, yeah, yeah. asked in I this movie. I was hoping movie. they would, but I was glad they did Do you think her immune deficiency is either a ploy to keep her hidden and inside that little chamber, or mm-hmm. is it due to the fact that she is a part human? Of, like, yeah, yeah. and she, She's you, a freak. Or because <laughs> replicant babies don't have immune systems because they're not human. And that's part of the reason why. That's part of the reason so why I now think he's not a replicant mm-hmm. is because of that. They could just be lying, but there's no indication that her uh, immune. I, I don't know, man. She's I'm, there. I'm she's working for the Wallace Corporation. Closer you are to danger, the further you are from harm. She sure. definitely didn't know she was the child, though. No, 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 no. Definitely. But I'm saying, like, she's got this. She's got a pretty sweet well, gig in there. They're never going to look there. Oh, for she her. wouldn't be born without with the serial number on her eyeball, right? So that's how they. Didn't know whether or not she would. Right. That's an impossible question to answer. Go to Reddit.com. That brings up the interesting thing: like, is that the only difference between humans and replicants? Is that they, one is created by man, the other is created by man and a woman. What's the question? I (laughs) (laughs) I checked out about ten minutes. Sorry, I asked a very philosophical question, and everyone's drinking. So it's not that. It's just we get. It's been, what, like an hour and 20 minutes already? Right, nice. I was surprised you didn't bring out the uh, Rob Zombie. <laughs> Rob Zombie? Yeah. More, More human than human. <laughs> no? What? That's a Rob Zombie line? Yeah. Uh, movie sucks. Are we going to say From the movie, not Rob Zombie. Are into sex games? Well, he probably wasn't the first one to coin that phrase. <laughs> Wait, you were... But didn't <laughs> I don't you give something Rob Zombie about too much credit. <laughs> no. You never heard that song? Who? Oh man, intro or outro music version. Rob sure. Zombie. More human than human. Rob Zombie fucking sucks. Jay Except stoked for, his for version of Halloween. Denny Villeneuve oh, to direct Dune. Um, He's uh, got to do it, right? Well, honestly, I haven't been able to make it all the way through Dune. Well, that's fair. Have so you seen I don't, the I know, documentary? No, I haven't. I mean, I'm not like a huge Dune fan. Oh, oh, Dodorowsky's Dune? Yeah. Awesome. I haven't amazing. seen Dune, but I mean, that documentary is awesome. It's amazing. The, the, the Dune movie, I, I tried to watch it, and yes, I've fallen asleep through it. <laughs> um, but but from what I've seen, I'm like, I really wish I could like it. Because like, the, the whole story and the lore, and, and um, even visually for an old movie, it's pretty awesome. And it oh, looks great, but I just I can't get through it. I will never get sick of seeing Villain Waves movies. I can't wait. The to way see that they movies. look. I cannot wait. Okay, we're done. That's it. Blade Runner 2049. In the books. Movie kills. Awesome. Let's move on to our next review. Can uh, I bring up one more? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just one more thing. How hot was Ryan Gosling? The answer is the most 10. hot. <laughs> Always the most hot. He's perfect. The more I'll blood you right add, the better he looks. Oh, dude, Back. right? Oh, my God. I was at, like, a half chub the whole time. <laughs> Same. Okay. No more Blade Runner. Let's move on. Uh, our next review is going to be Gerald's Game. Uh, we have another clip. Let us take a listen.
you think your husband will be back any minute? Try to go for help. There's no one for miles. Gerald? I'm sorry, baby. You don't get to know my name. I don't like this. I'm serious. Stop. I don't like that. Please. Stop it! Play. Is this really what it takes these days? I don't know. We were so wrong. We were happy once, weren't we? Gerald? What? What's happening? Gerald! Okay, and we're back. So, Gerald's Game, adapted from a Stephen King novel. This is directed by Mike Flanagan, who is an up-and-coming horror director who you would know from Hush oculus uh he did that uh ouija sequel secret of origins or origin of secret stuff (laughs) (laughs) he did that he did that film as well secret is plot synopsis reads while trying to spice up their marriage in their remote lake house jesse must fight to survive when her husband dies unexpectedly leaving her handcuffed to their bed frame this is a netflix original film uh we all saw it except for tom uh what yo, yo, did yo. you guys think of gerald's game based on hush it sounds terrible hush does suck but so does this movie okay well paris you can start this movie sucks okay travis <laughs> um i wouldn't say it flat out sucks but it's not very good and um i'm mostly on the negative side jay uh, I actually enjoyed it, and um, there's a s- certain scene in the movie that really resonated with me, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if you classified it as spoilers, so I don't know if I want to say it right now, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, so uh, we will have a small spoiler session at the end of this, because we have to talk about the ending of this movie. Yes. But I will say that I really like this movie... Up until a certain point, and we'll get into that. But throughout most of the movie, I really liked the feel of it. So it kind of, uh, it's one of those like uh, one scene films. It, it, it feels like a play to me, which I really enjoyed. It's all confined to the bedroom because she's handcuffed to the bed frame. Essentially, you know, you can get the sense of this from the plot synopsis, but they go to this lake house to spice up their their marriage and they start you know getting into some sexy time and he essentially handcuffs her to the bed frame uh and then it gets a little rapey from there and she's clearly very uncomfortable with it but he he dies of a heart attack and then that's basically what kicks off the movie so she's essentially alone in a remote lake house she she can't reach her phone Mm -hmm. Uh, she, the, she can't break free from the bed. So she is basic. The whole movie is basically her trying to escape this bedroom. And it's very psychological. The, the very, it's that's, that's (laughs) most of the movie. I mean, it's essentially, she basically loses her mind in a sense. So she's seeing projections of her husband and herself and herself. So they're talking to each other, a projection of herself and her husband, but she's also in the room with them is Gerald, her husband. Yes. Gerald is her husband. Her name is is Jesse. It is his game. And we should say, uh, Carla Gugino is, uh, the main character. She's the one strapped to the bedroom. She is wonderful. (laughs) I do like her a lot. She's actually really great. in Ever since I saw her in son in law way back in the day, I had, massive crush <laughs> yeah she's she's real pretty 
uh, that she's like wearing a, a slip, you know, while she's in the bed, and she looks pretty good. She's very, very pretty woman. I actually like that while she's, even though she's wearing a slip, it's not super revealing, but still very sexy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then Bruce Greenwood plays Gerald. Um, I really like I like the pacing of this film. Uh, Travis, you had mentioned to me that you kind of uh, you don't like the fact, like you got bored by the fact that it was like a one so, location. Yeah, film. I feel like when movies do this as their premise, like they have to do it a certain way to engage me, and this one didn't. Like Buried is another movie that's similar, but I thought it did a lot better. Room is another similar movie in a sense, and I think that did a lot better as far as, like, keeping my attention. Um, but, yeah, I got bored, like, maybe an hour of the way through where I was ready for things to wrap up. And the things I didn't like about it was that everything felt super convenient. It felt very TV movie-ish, and it didn't get into the relationship of the the main characters at all before it jumped right into the premise of it. And I like that, though, because you explore that while she's trapped, you know, that it's fleshed out by the conversations that basically her psyche is having. So you learn more about their marriage and their relationship Some, after the fact. Yeah, but I would have liked to get a little <clears throat> bit more beforehand because, I mean, the it kicks in like probably 10, 15 minutes into the movie. Yeah, it doesn't take long to get going. And I would agree with Travis in that this kind of felt like a slightly more high production lifetime movie to me. And that was part of what took me out of it is the whole time I was like, is this a good movie? I feel like no. And we don't want to jump <laughs> to conclusions just yet, but the ending is atrocious. And if any of you disagree with that, you're wrong. I feel like <laughs> it's, it's abysmal. It's... <laughs> Matt, you, you enjoyed this movie and we even talked about it after that the ending sucked fat cock. <laughs> I was so <clears throat> we OK, so we'll, we'll talk about it. In spoilers, but this movie has an epilogue. Up until the epilogue, I was like a 4.5 bordering on 5. Like, I really, really like this movie. I thought it was very effective. There's one scene in particular, which I think is what Jay was getting to earlier. We'll we'll call it body horror at the end. That was the most effective thing by far. I don't know if I've reacted that strongly to something like that. Maybe ever. Like, it... I, Paris and I, we watched it together at my apartment, and my roommate was in her room when we were watching it. We were yelling. So much so that his roommate came out and was like, check on are us. you guys okay? Like, is everything <laughs> alright? Just like, yeah, this movie's crazy. <laughs> my mouth was like, forced open for a good minute or two. Yeah. Like, I don't usually, I'm not really that reactive of a watcher, but that, I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> it was insane. Like, that's part of the reason why I liked it so much, I think, because I just so had... So gnarly. Yeah, no, for <laughs> like, sure. That scene was by Jay, what far was your reaction the standout to that scene? of the film. To, uh, to which scene are you talking about? We're talking about the hand. <laughs> the I mean, we'll get into it in spoilers, I'm assuming, because <laughs> oh, oh, yes, we Well, will. I wasn't actually speaking about that, but... Oh, okay. But I was not expecting how gruesome it ended oh up being God. <laughs> fuck me so gnarly like well and it's and the rest <laughs> like of the movie split open tennis ball. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the movie doesn't have like a ton of body horror or anything and i think that's part of why it's so like comes out and you're just like oh my god no 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 yeah yeah that was good i really like the performances in this movie some of the the writing is a little spotty Bad. i think that's kind of where the b movie stuff is coming from that Bad. you guys were getting at 
But I, I like Carlo Vagina's performance a lot. Bruce Greenwood, I thought, was pretty good, too. I thought, Bru- yeah. I thought he did an excellent job. He had he had a couple monologues that I thought were actually really interesting mm-hmm. and provocative. Um, when he was describing the party scene, I was actually pretty engaged. Yeah. So that stuff was cool. I was really into it. I loved the pacing of this movie. I loved uh, the the moments of... And the ending negates this for me. But there's mo- basically the movie plays with the fact that... Uh, personifying death and you think you know it's a part of her psyche there's a moment there's like a visitor to the room you know and it's that's like creepy the, that's actually the scene i was talking about okay that, so it, it, i i like that up until the end uh i thought it was it was creepy but i didn't read it literally that's the problem that the epilogue poses we'll get into that shortly because i don't think we have too much to talk about outside of spoilers because i think what we all want to talk about is the end of this movie because that's the most yeah that's what's really dividing people and i don't want to sound too insensitive even though i probably will right now but we've all seen the like troubled past like rape victim scenario yeah and uh, it's been a lot like more frequently lately like it's a lot more prevalent I knew that was the case as soon as I read the description. There yeah, was, was a like, couple oh. things with that that I had issues with. The first thing was that I felt like it didn't... It honestly felt a little heavy-handed in the context of the movie. Like, she is struggling for her life and trying to, like, survive and, like, figure out her way out of the situation and not die. But, okay, here, let's reflect on the worst moment in your life from when Which you were 12. Which is like, much like the movie Split, where things in her past that were traumatizing as shit are helping her survive now in this traumatizing event. And I feel like that's what made it feel almost more like a B-movie to me because it was just a little too convenient that like, oh, well, this happened in my past and let's make this. And I feel like that was the a second tension in the movie that like, oh, let's keep this going rather than just her trying to survive in the I just see it as very strict adhered to storytelling rules that they go with in the writing. And the way they touched on it, like, especially once you saw the scene, that was pretty brutal. But then after that, when they included some of her flashbacks or dreams or whatever, when she sees, like, the eclipse, and I was just kind of like, no, I hate it. Well, I mean, part of one of the major themes of the movie is, like, being haunted by your past. Like, she's in this situation and she can't help but recall this repressed memory. And you find that even within that repressed memory, there was a part that she had repressed that she was not acknowledging because it was so traumatizing. You know, like that's a big part of the film is her dealing with this trauma coming to surface as she finds herself in this harrowing situation. But I feel like if you're in a very traumatic life or death type situation, why would your brain automatically go back to a previous trauma and be like, this is the time to deal with that? Well, you can't, I mean... Have you ever been in a in a situation where you have to like... Where, I, where I'm, you know, I have to live or die because I'm chained to a bed? No. Yeah. Well, it's not like well, it's I mean, not... not literally. I'm just talking about in a situation where it's life or death. Have you ever been in a life or death situation? No. There, there's not a better time to reflect on your past than when you're uh, chained <laughs> up on a <laughs> you, you gotta think about what you know, so therefore... Agree to disagree. I feel like there's a lot better times. I feel like you should be focusing on your current trauma and trying to find yeah, a way well, out how, how are you going to focus on your current trauma without looking back on what you know? I feel like more more specifically, it has less to do with this trauma in a general sense, and more so has to do with the fact 
that the trauma she experienced was was sexual trauma in both cases both as a child and now as an adult where she finds herself in this situation so of course her being in the situation where Mm -hmm. she is strapped down and you know is almost raped you know like she's put in a situation where she says no 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 and and almost raped by her husband by her husband which is an interesting concept and i i I appreciate that the film explored that that like someone who's your partner can also like sexually assault you right and especially part of what i appreciate because that's you know that's sensitive subject matter and it can be exploitative you know and part of what i liked about that situation. Travis is just looking at me right now. I can't handle it. <laughs> no means no, Tom. Someone as your partner can also reviews. sexually assault you. Travis looks at me. <laughs> Tom and Travis have a traumatic experience with me to work out right now. Well, okay. So part of what makes that situation. Show us on the doll, Travis. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. This is not the time to bring that up. My bad. Okay. She, <laughs> she very quickly expresses that she is not comfortable with this situation. It's minor at first. There's resistance. Very quickly, she is explicit in the fact that she is not comfortable with what's happening. She wants it to stop. And he doesn't stop, you know? So I do feel like it does. it, was, it didn't feel forced to me working her past in through the movie. I mean, that was part of, that was the point of the movie, you know, her dealing with that trauma. Yeah. Well, and I'm assuming that they've been together for a while, hence that, that they're trying to spice up their relationship. But, like, she never got any, like, hints or, you well, know, instances of this in the past. I mean, she does talk about the time when just they were in a car convenient. or something. And, like, he, she's like, well, you didn't get hard until... He, he choked, choked me, and that was the only time, like, he didn't take uh, boner pills. Oh, yeah, Viagra. Boner pills. <laughs> that was... It's a knockoff, right? That was... <laughs> boner pills, TM. <laughs> that, was a, that was a nitpick of mine, though, because she... Uh, he, he puts the pills, like, on the kitchen sink, and she, like, looks at it, and then it zooms in, you can read it. She wouldn't be able to read that fucking pill bottle from where she was. Like, no. well, and we had already saw him taking the pills. Like, if that was for the audience, it was think, a little heavy handed. I don't think that she was. I don't think that she was literally like seeing the label on the pill. She I just think the knew camera what it just. Was. Yeah, the camera just zoomed in so you would see it. It was unclear at first though because the way it's presented and edited, she makes it clear afterwards that she, yeah, she knows. Because I feel like no. Well, no, because it's it later becomes explicit that she knew that he was taking that. Right. But right. early on, before that, it's established. You have a shot of the pill. It zooms in so that we can read it. It cuts to her looking at it, and you see the recognition on her face. At that point, it's not yet established. So for me, I was thinking she's reading. She's able to read the bottle and knows what it is because it hadn't yet established that she knew that he was taking those pills. I feel like oh, if you like see an older man take a pill right before he's about to have sex, it literally doesn't matter whether you can read the pill bottle or not. She like, didn't see, him, she didn't see yeah. him take the pill. She just saw the pill bottle no, he, on the he counter. He took it right in front of her. Yeah, he, he did he take it right in front of her. One yeah, does right he, yeah I was going to ask, does yeah. he take one or two? He I takes forget. the second okay. one right, yeah, right in front of her. I think the Showtime. second one was oh, okay. what, you know, completed yeah. him. Maybe that's he a half star right there. He needed two. No, I didn't get a What a chump. What a cum chump. Uh, New word. (laughs) (laughs) Come jump TM. Um, Okay. 
more general impressions. I want to talk about this ending. I mean, is there... I feel like let's get into it, right? Anything, anything sure. else before we get into it? Are we okay. doing star ratings now? A four out of five. 2.5. I'm right there with you, Parrish. 2.5. Uh, I'm also going to say a four out of five. Hell yeah. All right. wow. Jay knows what's Divided up. Evenly. Looks like I'm the tiebreaker. <laughs> Tom, what's it going to be? Just based off of what we've said. Three five point, out of five. Three point two five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who gave a better argument? Uh, well, I was in the bathroom there for a little bit of it. Sounds like it was okay until the ending. Okay. I think we can all agree. Even the, the, the movie or the criticism? Even Jay and Matt, I think we can all agree mm. that the ending made the movie worse so okay yeah 100 so, percent. spoilers diving into spoilers yes. okay <laughs> let's, yeah, let's yeah. start it check the show notes if you haven't seen um it. so so the epilogue um bad. you know i didn't i didn't have a good or bad feeling when it started i was like okay i didn't see this shit coming but um the whole yeah i mean the whole scenario with that the death uh, the death figure being an actual real fucking necrophiliac collecting bones from mausoleums stupid. and all kinds. It was very <laughs> stupid. weird. It was very strange how they put that in. But in the end, it did not. That I mean, obviously, that it did. That's what brought it down to four stars rather than five. Because I actually really enjoyed the movie. Same, same. I I love um you know and when she started having the 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 representation of herself along with the husband for a split second i was like oh god damn it are we gonna like have to watch these people bicker back and forth like a wife and husband but they actually did a really good job in um the things they said every time any of them said anything i actually looked and i thought could this be something that she's actually thinking to herself and everything they said i imagined myself like that's the inner dialogue that's going on in your head in a situation like that Mm -hmm. and the the fact that she's hallucinating just brings it into that physical representation of separate people well it also has that aspect of an unreliable unreliable narrator because these aren't the actual people talking this Mm -hmm. isn't this isn't gerald talking this is her projection of him they Mm -hmm. are having conversations with her coming from her own psyche so it's like, yeah, it, fle- it you know sheds light on their marriage and their relationship, but it's from her perspective. These are projections of Gerald. These are projections of herself, the two of them bickering together, which I thought that, that was an interesting dynamic. I really liked that aspect of it. I did like that they physically took forms of the different sides of her personality and psyche. Well, I feel like that was the only way to make the movie, was yeah. to do that. Well, so Otherwise it would have been... Just watching her just, struggle for 45 <laughs> minutes, and then you're like, oh, cool, the movie's over. Because that breakdown, right, <laughs> when she realizes that she, when she first starts hallucinating the man, and he's like breaking down, okay, so you've been here for so-and-so amount of time, and you got this and this and this, and you know about this, and he's like breaking it down for her, and I was like, oh, shit, this is, this is her like breaking it down, and she just has this fucking mental breakdown and, you know, ends up projecting it on her own husband that's telling her these things and helping her with that so i wanted to ask you guys about that because he very distinctly establishes the timeline he talks about specific times of day he says okay now it's 2 30 when that happened now it's x time when that happened i have not been in a life or death situation we already went over this but i felt like 172 hours yeah so okay so like 
that actually the 172 hours thing did make me think or of 28 it hours how, okay, how many hours was it whatever uh, a shit ton of hours I was like i don't because know okay she, <laughs> how how long do you think she was in there a full 24 i think she was in there about like a day and, two and a half i think she was two in there. and a half there was yeah, because only... isn't there like two night scenes but is she, the she first escapes night the scene, end of the second... She escapes during the second night. Okay, and that was so, part okay. of my issue with it, is that she... The way she's reacting, and maybe this is just from watching too many of those movies where people are trying to survive, and it's not realistic, but the way she's acting, especially, like, at the end of it, it seems like she's been there for a fucking month, and she's dying, and well, she looks gnarly, and she's like, I haven't had water, and fucking ever and i don't know it just to me it just yeah it, yeah i haven't have water in an hour sorry, it just seemed a little you know how you feel after you cry real hard i mean everyone's had a good cry and you feel feels great you're dehydrated as shit i like to do it when i'm driving <laughs> no one get on the road when tom is driving he can't Monday see morning the on the way to work uh, <laughs> But needless to say, I could totally see the way she looked and the way she was feeling after screaming her head off for five hours and and bawling her eyes out and stressing the fuck out because you got your dead husband laying on the floor and, um, you know, and there just happens to be a wild, a feral animal that comes in and starts eating your dead husband right in front yeah, of you. Yeah, no, that was extremely So that happens. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, very, very early into the movie. It's a horse. The husband is dead on the floor. <laughs> he's hit his head there's a pool of blood the dog walks up just takes a bite out of his arm and then you hear it like and it's is that the body he lays down and chews it no okay. right he has just like a weird rubbery piece of uh husband arm so, in his mouth so uh, did Go this ahead, movie Tom. did this movie had a have a bad epilogue that should have been good or did it not need an epilogue at all it, did, it didn't it need, need an epilogue, epilogue but it, it gave her that it meant to give her that physical manifestation of redemption. Yeah. Because she, she was, was able to, to go... Overcome her fear. Correct. She yes. was able to go to this man and look him in the face. Okay. We didn't actually so talk about that. This, Let's this brings me to the resonating scene with me. Is the first initial interaction with that man standing in the corner of the bedroom and like moving in and out of the darkness. Mm-hmm. God. So this happened to me a few weeks ago. <laughs> I'm not fucking serious. I'm, I'm, I'm not fucking kidding. Yeah, no, I've had, yeah, I've had stuff like that, too. I, I told you guys earlier that I moved to a house here in Mercer Island. It's really old. Um, the the ladies that have lived there have talked about um, some spirits that have been in there. So a few weeks ago, I'm laying in my bedroom. And I open my eyes. And there is straight up a dark fucking figure just like that scene. Um, a, a person or a thing standing in the corner of the bedroom mm-hmm. and i do not like ghosts i don't believe that shit that's what i tell myself and, <laughs> and so i i did i covered up my head and i just told myself exactly what the husband was telling her in this movie was that these monsters can't hurt you if you're sleeping it's only when you're awake. I mean, well, obviously, I'm not a woman. And that's when what he, he was says saying, that part, I feel like that was her projecting her father onto him. I didn't get Did that. Did you guys not no, get that? I, no. Because when she talks about it, she's talking about these monsters can't hurt you if you're asleep. Just close your eyes. And so maybe not with the actual play out of the father sexual assault scene in this movie. Because, yeah, Tom. There's a father sexual assault. He just movie. he just jerks off on her. That's all. 
Yeah, it's fine. No big deal. She's sitting on his lap and he. She's sitting on his lap during an eclipse and he jerks off on her. And then later he's like, we can't tell anyone because. Your mom is going to hate you if you tell her about this. Honestly, she does. I will say, I didn't really like this movie, but the. The man, the emotional the manipulation the of, of that, the that, father to the daughter that, in that scene is that, insane, and I was raptured. That scene was even worse to me than jerking off on her on the bench. That was yeah? that was yeah, the, totally. jerking off on her on the bench was obviously inappropriate and sexual assault oh, and, yeah, and like bad. Sure. But the way that he uh, emotionally pe- manipulates her after. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah. The yeah. way he convinces her to stay quiet because it seems like he's actually he's, he's being a good person, but he it's says, so selfish and manipulative that she should tell the mom. Yeah, but the he way it up. the way that he does it is so emotionally manipulative Reverse that psychology. she convinces <laughs> herself and him that that is a bad idea. Yeah. It's a really good scene. It's it's very riveting. And so and so the Dude, scene Stephen where, King. What is up with this guy he's fucked so (laughs) the epilogue the epilogue of this movie is from the book Mm -hmm. so uh after we watched the movie so the book is terrible paris and i looked looked it up and the book what's most divisive is the ending people love the ending or they hate the ending so the director wanted to remain faithful to the source material so he wanted to include the epilogue but what the movie does differently than the book is it ties in her sexual trauma to the monster because when they're at the courthouse and she's confronting him the uh what are they called the moonlight killer crypt keeper too is another thing snowman Snowman. what snowman the snowman (laughs) the moonlight killer uh she sees him Mm -hmm. and then it changes to her father and then it changes to her husband and then she it ends with her saying you're smaller than i remember and then that's it and then like she leaves so it was you know it was like her overcoming her fear she confronts the man and i would have really appreciated that sort of redemption if it wasn't done in the stupidest way possible weird what he said did you guys catch, like, everything he said to her when she walked up to him? He was repeating what she said. You're not real. You're not here. Because that's what she said when she he saw was, him. I thought he was saying, you're real. No, he's saying, you're not real. I thought he, he was said, parroting what no, she said. No, I thought he said, you're real. Like, he didn't believe it? No, no. He was saying, he was making fun of her. Hmm. Okay, well, that, that uh, making him a real person and not a figment of her imagination. Stupid. Gave it a li- it was very weird, but it gave it that little extra, like, creep factor. It didn't for me. It was just so unbelievable. Because essentially, the okay, so what, we keep dancing around it. But essentially, she's visited in the night by a man. We're led to believe at the beginning that it's a figment of her imagination. It's a manifestation of death. She calls him the Moonlight Man, and he literally has a bag of people's body parts and like jewelry and trinkets. stuff like that, yeah. So we think that that's a figment of her imagination. But the twist, the reveal, The reveal, will, baby! At the end, <laughs> is you find out this is a real guy who has been robbing graves and just recently started actually, like fucking dead bodies and like actually oh, yeah. like so and the way he got <clears throat> caught is because he moved on from dead bodies to real bodies and he tried to uh rape a man and then they caught him but it basically means that this was an actual person who was in that room with her it's just like what are the fucking odds that this 
guy who has For been sure. terrorizing the country. Like, there's news clippings well, from they all they allude to the bloodstained footprint in the middle of the movie. Which I like that. I thought that was interesting. But I thought that was really good as a part of her imagination. Like, you're like, oh, yeah. what is what is that? Not good as a Oh, person. how about the scene where she wakes up and he's licking her feet? That was the dog. No, no, no. Now I'm talking about the Moonlight Man. And he's like, she wakes up all of a sudden, he's like, and he's like licking her feet at the end of the bed, and she like kicks him in the face, and then he's gone. So I... I'm wondering if fucking he was actually there, yeah, like I about so. ready to lick her. You were her in the bathroom. I thought that was the, no, I remember that. I super thought that was the dog. But no, maybe, there is, there is maybe, a scene with the dog. You know what? I think maybe I was interpreting that as that is her mind doing that, and so I just assumed, oh, you're the, confusing, the dog is licking. You're confusing two different scenes. She wakes up to the dog, like licking her, and then it bites her, and then she kicks No, no, the no, but I think because at that point I still thought the Moonlight Man was in her head as I think everyone did so I just assumed that was the dog again and so I just what is with this well, fucking dog okay. man two things dog here is crazy. so eats Kobe beef I haven't read a lot of Stephen King books <laughs> but I have heard from people on the internet that they say that Stephen King has always struggled with endings I wouldn't necessarily I mean I'll say it's, it's hard to say that because like I think as, bad as, as far as the movies go, the ending of Misery and I mean, the ending it? of Stand By Me is perfect. Same with Shawshank Redemption. All of that stuff is perfect. <laughs> but um, and but those are all kind of cop-out endings also. Not that I'm saying they don't work really well within the movies, but I could see oh, if someone how, who how has just bad... wraps it up with like a narration. Someone has a bad time with the movies or with endings, so they're just like, you know what? I'm just going to create fake endings for all these people. <laughs> I kind of like when that happens. Yeah. Actually. Well, I mean, the ending of Misery is kind of a joke, but the ending of Stand By Me is like oh, so perfect. Good. I mean, yeah. it's top notch. You guys love that movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah it's a classic. Do. <clears throat> do you not? I mean, who, who I doesn't want to watch someone take a leech off a penis? <laughs> Another <laughs> thing I, I wanted to bring yeah, up. Yeah, I was like, I think uh, we all want to see that. <laughs> I was, before spoilers, I was saying that the movie's very convenient, and you guys have kind of touched on that with the monster, but like, and I probably like movies where there are convenient things, but like, the, leaving the door open. The dress tag, the glass of water, all that shit yeah, is so fucking. It did not the glass of water. No, what is it? Signs. I know, right? <laughs> Literally, there was a he. He took his little boner pill, so there was a glass of water on the shelf above her, and the shelf happened to be one of those type of shelves that's not actually hooked like into the secured, wall, yeah, so perfect. you can balance it. So she was just able to reach it to the end of the thing, and it was a brand new dress, so she was able to make a straw to the tag. And the whole time, that's how she was able to drink water and survive in her fucking two-day not drinking she water She drank water out of a glass with a tag from her dress? Yeah. Stupid. She folded it into a straw. Why didn't she just, like... Why didn't Keep it, in mind, she, 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 she was too far. <laughs> she was handcuffed. So okay, she but so, like, so, so the concept of the movie, I don't know... We, you know, she's handcuffed to the bed and the bed posts are far apart. So she's basically doing, like, a... Spread eagle with her arm. These are legit cuffs too. They emphasize that. No, no, no. I get all that. I just it seems (laughs) it just seems unnecessary. Stupid. Unnecessary scene. Before we move on, let's talk about the body horror scene. Water dropped to the ceiling. So the way she's a leaky roof. The way she's best scene in the movie. Yeah. No, it was super hard to watch, but it was incredible. Basically the plan she come up comes up with to escape is she is gonna grab the glass that she's been drinking out of break it on the bed frame so that she just has the glass and essentially what she does is she (laughs) (laughs) she breaks the glass so there are glass shards you know if you tell me this i'm not gonna watch the movie right you're not gonna you don't need (laughs) you don't need to it's bad okay essentially she jams a piece of glass into the bed frame so there's essentially a sharp 
piece of glass protruding from the bed frame. And what she does is she basically cuts an X into her wrist. So she puts her wrist onto the glass and then mm. pulls down so it's cutting into her and there's well, blood she cuts, everywhere. She cuts she across her wrist the, the way does. that's yeah, like, Is that what's happening? Yes. Well, no, you said she cuts an X in well, her wrist. Yes. She cuts across her wrist like, the well, way that doesn't kill you, the way that's for attention. slick compared to like water you know and is that oil. true that's what i okay so what slick i thought oil, at yeah. first <laughs> what i thought at first was that she was gonna cut herself and then try and slip out of the cuffs with i the also blood. thought that but then it turns out she was well she did do that well but the reason why she because i was like why because she was like one of the projections i think it was her husband was like make sure you don't cut too deep and then she just immediately is like cutting the fuck out of her wrist. It's like, what are you doing? He just told you not to cut too deep. So the way that she actually gets out is disgusting because she literally peels off her hand skin like it's a glove. And yeah. you watch in agonizing <clears throat> detail as she's pulling her weird, muscled, unskinned hand through the handcuffs. Just start to yeah. pop so out the, like the skin part is being pulled up by the handcuffs. So, so you nasty. see the tendons ripping. You see her skin pulling up like this as she's trying to slip. Man, I don't think my handcuffs work. Rubber gloves well, that are you know tough to get off after washing dishes. It's like that. So she put one on skin. afterward. She went to the kitchen <laughs> no. and she was like, "Shoop, new hand." Matt, you brought up a good point about this after we watched it. That wouldn't that make it harder to get the handcuffs off because it would create more stuff in the way of the handcuffs, right? Because the skin is folding up, so you're creating like a more, fucking it's skin glove. To even pull off, yeah, because like. Yeah. I'm wearing a watch right now. I can't slide this off. So imagine cutting my wrist as I'm pulling the... (laughs) Let's do it. Let's test it. As I'm pulling it up, the skin is going to be pulled up and it's going to roll in on itself. So you're creating more that you have to slip over, you know? like. But it, but like we said Not earlier, it, all the way off, man. it was one of those few body horror moments where you're legitimately taken aback and you're just like, no. It was, it's far from like Visceral the worst reaction. thing I've ever seen as far as like graphic content, but it like got a reaction. It's like me. Terminator 2, except she's not a robot anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. A little bit, yeah. It doesn't come clean off. She doesn't rip all the skin off because if after she gets out of the handcuffs, it folds back down. So it just has like a bunch of flappy skin, skin glue. Yeah. So does she not um, like pass out and die after that? Like she sure barely she, she gets well, into a car and the car crashes. She, and then she she's passes driving. out because she passes out while she's driving. She drives with her elbow. And then that's <laughs> the end of the movie prior to that vlog. And I wish they had just ended it. There. Okay, so yeah. how about this? How about would she have been able to reconcile with her past if the Moonlight Man wasn't there in the first place? Yeah, she didn't no, need to. Because know. the Moonlight Man was the reason she woke up the first time. She was she already thinking. She was already thinking about it was the, the whole. Man. That's hey, not you're what putting was... too much of your personal experience into this movie. No, <laughs> no I mean too much of your own moonlight, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She wouldn't have that physical representation of her past to go and she say that. She didn't need too. a physical representation. She could have just worked through it like a normal person. No, because in that letter, in that letter, she stated that that uh, she they had already found the man. So she only started writing that letter after that she realized that that was a physical man in the room. I feel like it would have been better and healthier for her to have worked that through without there being a physical fucking nightmare man who has body parts in his purse. I think the real question is, how are you going to deal with your Moonlight Man? 
well, I can't do anything because it's not really there. <laughs> you know, in college, uh, I was digest podcast the moonshine just got into some psychological <laughs> therapy session. I know. The ladies at the house said that this spirit is not a violent one. So I'll <laughs> okay. try to speak to it next time and get back to you guys. It's, it's he certainly sounds unpleasant. I do have a fun fact. Did you guys know? Well, a friend told me this and I just fact checked it. The creepy, rapey dad is the kid from E.T. No, no that's wait, that's Elliot? That's Elliot? Dude, the wonder he looked... Elliot. I knew it. I knew that guy was a rapist. I knew he grew up to be a rapist. I mean, Elliot was a weird kid, but... No, I mean, he looked he sort was of vaguely familiar, so I'm really glad that you said that, because I was like, I definitely don't think I've seen that guy in anything, but he looks sort of familiar. Elliot. Do the real question is... Does He's Gerald's game and E.T. take place in the same universe? No, I would I say think, 100% I think yes. The real question is, are the main characters and what do they call him, the Moonlight Man? Gerald's game? He used to be the Moonlight Kid. Is the Moonlight Man. in front of the moon with his bicycle. <laughs> Ever since then, he's had a strange fascination with full moons. <laughs> well, no Four wonder eclipse. he's so turned on by the eclipse. Is the moonlight and by like replicas. dead looking things. <laughs> Loves it. Like all, right, are we good on Gerald's game? Yep. Don't watch it. It's watch bad. It. Watch it. Disappointing. Do we want to go back to Blade Runner? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we have at least seven more points. <laughs> My friend just texted me and he said, so, Blade Runner. <laughs> He's ready to go. Okay, well, let's move on uh, to what we've been watching. Uh, I do not have anything. Uh, me neither, but I did see some trailers. Annihilation. <laughs> did you guys see the trailer for Annihilation Hell, with yeah. Natalie Portman? Okay. Looks so cool. So I, I caught the three quarters of it on the way into Blade Runner. Three quarters of the trailer. Yes, I have read the so book, like and the seconds. book was the book was legitimately amazing, and mm. it's a trilogy, so I want to read the other two, but. It was the type of book, and I knew they were going to make it a new movie, but it's the type of book where I was like, how the fuck are they going to make this a new movie? Because it's so psychological. How oh, anybody can do it, 85% Natalie of the movie takes place in her head, but it's not like in the way we just talked about Gerald's game where it's projections. It's just literally stuff she's thinking. Well, I think it looks awesome. And you just made me lose interest by saying it was a book trilogy already. Uh-oh. But the thing is, it's an amazing sci-fi mm. book and i would no. highly recommend reading the first one it doesn't look like it's going to be like a hunger games type thing. no but the, like real, not, the real it's not that yeah, type of trilogy it's trilogy. like but but oh god the book is you have to read it the real selling point though i you might i was making a drink so you guys might have already said that but this is the yeah. next Follow film up, right? from alex garland yeah writer and director of mm-hmm. ex Machina. This is his new shit. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Matt's creaming at the seams right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, the new Maze Runner, I'd watch that. Mm. Is there going to be another one? I, I don't know. I haven't seen the other ones, but Wait, this trailer looked pretty what? good. <laughs> Maze Runner. Oh. Look kind of okay. I thought you said Blade Runner. I was like, oh, we're already talking 2072? Uh-huh. uh-huh. 172 hours. Yeah. Yep. 2072. <laughs> That's Red, next... Ready Player One, that trailer. Yeah, Ready Player One looks cool. I'm excited for that. It All reminds right. me of like a Tron meets like a Cabin in the Woods version. Totally of, uh, had sci-fi. Tron. <laughs> yeah, totally had Tron happening. So I was making a drink, but I had to come over to say this. The only thing about the Ready Player One trailer that I didn't like is a big part of the book is that the main character 
is like really unhappy with his life because he's kind of like an ugly schlub and in the movie the guy the the main character the way they show him he looks like a fucking model and i was like that's not a thing of course he does i don't know i don't think he's i don't think he's that attractive well i mean he's definitely not an ugly schlub no he's no ryan gosling (laughs) (laughs) i mean come on i don't know i could take it or leave it So, uh, you want to kick us off? What, <laughs> what you've been watching? <laughs> so do I. What's up? You want to kick us off with what we've been watching? Because sure. I haven't watched anything. Travis else is the only I one who watches movies. One. You want me to throw it out there real quick? Sure. Go ahead. So I watched The Room. First time watch? Uh, first time watch. It is declared as the Citizen Kane of bad movies. Yeah. I don't um, know the room. The um, the movie... You're tearing me apart, Lisa. Yes. Uh, there's a movie called Disaster Artist coming out with um, oh, oh, it's like, I'm Seth Rogen and James <laughs> Franco. Franco. Yeah. And it's based off the making of this movie. And once I heard about that and saw the trailer, I had to go see this the room and it is abysmal like it is just so bad and so So awesome bad it's good so awesome at the same time like i literally want to watch it but then i almost feel like i might get depressed because i'm sitting there watching this movie by myself and not like have a group to laugh at it with so you should watch it by yourself then no i I made my uh roommates and my wife (laughs) watch it with me oh god (laughs) and it is like there's some soft like these softcore porn scenes that came up where he's just just fucking her hip oh my god like i I, I couldn't believe that it was happening they all lasted for so long i just so they actually do a showing of this in seattle at central cinema about once a month and it's always sold out because it's amazing, and people do it the same way they do Rocky Horror, where they like bring mm. stuff to throw at certain parts, like props and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They have, like actors. Oh, who classic. I loved it. Um, five out of five. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I do want to watch it, but mainly just because the disaster artist. Other than right. that, I'd still probably have not. I watched much it, interest. and then I watched the Rift Tracks version, <clears throat> and I would highly recommend the Rift Tracks version because it's so fucking good. What What is Rift Tracks? It's the guys that did Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Okay, they, so they're they like, like newer. A, they talk thing. over it. Okay, yeah, but it's it's a little bit different than they don't have any weird narrative before or after. It's just them. Like making funny comments about the movie. Mm-hmm. When uh, when are we doing the first uh, Cinephiles Digest uh, riff track? I would love that. What are we What are we watching? Yeah, I would love to listen. Movie. To that. What, are, what would be the movie? Oh, that'd be so fun. What would be the movie? Some shitty B movie. Yeah, maybe. Um, uh, How about what about House? That Japanese movie. <laughs> Oh, that's that actually that actually shows at Central Cinema every like October. That movie's Halloween. awesome. I love that. Show. I still haven't it seen it yet. But... Bad, but okay. How about it? <laughs> oh yeah, I watched it with you. That was so dope, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a couple things going for it. It's so awesome. I love that. They, movie. they literally took the backgrounds for that movie like from a fourth grade play. <laughs> they just like showed up at the school at night. Like, they, we don't have any sets built. Yeah, yet. <laughs> a bunch of fourth graders showed up to do their play the next day, and they started crying because they realized that the sunset was gone. They didn't know what to do? There's a bunch of blood everywhere. The background, the background, the backdrops. I should say it's mm-hmm. in fucking crayon. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. It says Lisa in the corner. <laughs> Lisa was here. <laughs> All right, Travis. All right, I'll fire off a few titles. So since it's October, I've been watching some. 
horror movies. Yeah, you're doing uh, yeah. 31 Days of Horror, right? I'm trying. I've already gotten behind, but we'll see how it goes. So I did watch Halloween 2 and 3, first-time watches. Both? Yeah. Wow. First-time watches, yeah. I've only seen the first one a few times. So the second one is good. Definitely not as good as the first. Um, it takes place, like, right after the first one ends. Most of the movies... Later that night. Set... Well, no, it's, like, literally, like, <laughs> right after the first one ends. Like, that's where it takes off. And most of the movies, just, like, a haunted Halloween... Or haunted hospital. Like, kind of like a whorehouse type thing. But Michael Myers is killing everyone in the hospital. Um, the scores are very similar. They were on their way out anyway. What's up? They were on their way out anyway. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't have too much to say about it other than, yeah, it's it's good, but it's not as good as the first. Yeah, uh, I would agree. Third one, The third one, I love the idea of like a Halloween anthology, but that one just feels so weird within the franchise. But you don't, you should, don't view it in the context of the Michael Myers Halloween, because yeah. then, yeah, you're going to draw well, comparisons. Right. It was meant to stand out. It bombed horribly, and then they went back to Michael Myers. Yeah. Did you not like it? No, not really. What? No. I, I, I love the idea of it, and I, I thought, like, the whole, like, taking over the world by, like, a commercial is a cool idea, but it was just, like, I don't know, it was a little too corny for me. Oh, it was mm. so fun. This is Matt's and season. Two more days till Halloween, 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 two more days till Halloween, silver shamrock. I would say it's a, a solid movie to watch in October, but, like, as a you, movie man. in general, it's, real thing? it's not very good. White. The part where the snakes, like, come silver out of that woman's shamrock? body. Silver shamrock? That's the wrong yeah. holiday. No, 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 silver shamrock is the name of the company that he creates. What he's, he knows I what he's am saying. embarrassed I this for you. For me? I'm not making it up. I don't care. I'm embarrassed that you just sang that and that you love it so Well, much. I'm going to share it on Facebook when we're two days oh, from Halloween. That's embarrassing. <laughs> well, there's three days, there's two days, and there's one day, but... Better do them two all. Days, two days. <laughs> every, every day is posting a new video. Okay, a couple every more here, moving right along. So I watched Shivers for the first time early... Another first time watch. Cronenberg joint. Oh, Shivers, not Slither. No, Shivers. Yeah. Shivers is dope. Really good. I loved it. It's like perfect 70s, like, it's almost like a zombie movie. Um, basically the premise behind it is like a scientist feels like humans have gotten out of touch with their animal instincts. So they want to, he wants to like create this parasite that basically turns everyone into like, like a sex machine. Yeah. They're all sex fiends. So basically the whole world's going to turn into an orgy. Great idea, right? Is this no? a softcore porn? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> like, did you just, did you just find this in like some random like 70s softcore porn? like totally unhygienic. <laughs> It's awesome. No, this movie is awesome. They, I don't really like David Cronenberg. Most of his stuff doesn't work for me, but I actually really like this one. Like, it holds up very well. The transfer of it, I watched it on Amazon, it is incredible. It's like, good, yeah. It's like Blu-ray quality. It's like Criterion. Did Criterion do a release of it? I don't know if they've done Shivers yet. Oh, okay. Did they've done ever, The Brood. Did you ever see his movie uh, Videodrome? Yeah, I don't like it. Nah, it's See, fucking weird. It's boring. I'm surprised <laughs> that of all of spot. his stuff, the Shivers is the one you like the most. I just surprised. Well, me. I don't know. It's just like a. It kind of just turns into a straight up horror movie. Yeah, like a zombie body movie. horror. Yeah. yeah Did he do uh, the Fly? Was yeah. That Bird? Yeah. So are they like orgifying each other to like mutilation, or does it get pretty gruesome? Like whoa, body. Body. Horror? Well, you said it's oh, basically it's soft body core horror. porn, <laughs> so I'm curious as to how that translates into body horror. Yeah. yeah. Instead of like a, a less a lust for blood, it's like a lust for sex. And when they have sex, obviously the parasite's going to get into them, and it's going to keep transferring to other people. Mm. And then what? 
And then they just it's keep the owning. Just and then the, be... the protagonist of the film was essentially trying to so run was... away from these like oh, sex craze. It's almost shit. it's almost like a version of a zombie movie. You yeah, know? except because the zombie you're... wants to have sex with so exactly. Sort of brains. like a vampire yes. zombie movie because the vampires are always like sexy and like this... we need to bone, but not bone. I just need to bite your neck and transpose fluids. Well, kind of. Yeah. So the premise right. of that Rick and Morty episode. Well, the Cronenberg, that's actually my only familiarity with Cronenberg is the Rick and Morty episode. When they turn into Cronenbergs. I haven't seen it, but. Hmm. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a silly premise, but I thought it was really effective and it actually holds up very well. And some of the exterior shots of the apart- apartment complex are amazing, especially mm-hmm. at night. Hmm. And like the all the stuff in the uh, garage is really good. What's well, it called? called again? Shiver? Shiver. Shiver. It's on Amazon Prime right now. It's like. 90 minutes long. I'm going to go watch it. It's really good. It does have an alternate title, though. I'm ch- I'm looking it up right now. It's Primers. called Sex Orgies. <laughs> oh, and I, so I rewatched uh, Cabin in the Woods. Oh, fuck and yeah. And I loved that movie when I saw it in the theater. So good. Now, oh, no. not as fun. <laughs> not as clever. Man. Uh, not really even much of a horror movie, either. It's like pretty much oh. a straight-up comedy. No. Yes. no, there are some horrific parts. The part yeah. at the end when they go down in the basement. Or and when the, the fucking the bloodshed. sea creatures come part. out. Or yeah. when any of them get murdered. Like, I feel like those That's parts the best are all part. When scary. shit hits the fan, it, it's a lot of fun. And I do love some of the humorous aspects of it. Like when uh, Chris Hemsworth's character tries to flee. the motorcycle <laughs> into the fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Because you know the whole time, like what's gonna happen? Yeah, and he he's just so, so com- he's just so confident, like I'm gonna get us out of this, and just fucking no. pounds into it. Real quick before you keep talking about that, alternate titles for Shivers: The Parasite Murders. They came from within. Yes, and I my think I heard that title. Someone's coming from within. And my personal favorite: Orgy of the Blood Parasite. <laughs> yes. Are these like different international titles or something? Uh, Orgy of the Blood Parasites was the like original like working title. Uh, they came from within is like one of the official titles, but I've... Shivers is common. That's, that's my that's favorite the title. one. They came from within. Yeah, that's that's cool. Anyway, but yeah, it doesn't. I mean, I still like it, but it definitely is not as good as I remember it. It's so good. I love Dude, Cabinets. that's such a... Oh, God. Such well, a good it's movie. It's so funny and self-aware. And it's so... It's such yeah, a great take on, like... Yeah, but it's not as like, clever as you think. Like, it's, it's pretty it's, clever, dude. It's I think it's more like clever than you think. It's on the nose and obvious with its cleverness. And, but you're not, like, caught up with that the first time you watch it, because everything's, like, I've seen so it, like, five and times, fresh, and every time but... I'm like, fuck, this movie's so great. I don't know if obvious is the word I would use. I would say accessible. It's not too highbrow. It's very easy to understand what the movie's trying to do. People it's... that aren't, like, really into movies, I think, can appreciate the fact that it's sort of satirizing the horror genre. I guess my main point is it's not as smart as I remember it to be. But maybe I thought it was too smart. In, in to me, place. Joss Whedon does clever things that also can be dumbed down for a general audience. Oh, I didn't know Joss Whedon did that movie. Yeah. I've never seen it. He, he was on the writers. Yeah. Sort of Drew Goddard directed it. Yeah. But Joss Whedon is Bay, so. No, Joss Whedon it's is fine. a fucking rapist. Well, oh my whatever. god! Wait, really? Wait, let's not go down that road. Oh please. no! <laughs> no, I, I, allegedly. We don't need to have this conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'm bummed out now. <laughs> we'll wait for the documentary, True Crime. Fuck. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, in my opinion, it doesn't hold up. Okay. That's good. So what would be um, your original rating versus now? 
five stars. Now it's like three and a half. Ooh, that's a Throwing big drop off. Trying to come down, yeah. On a, on a horror movie, huh? I thought it was great the first time. It is still. Yeah, good. no, I was still good, away, but yeah. Uh, does someone else want to go? I don't have anything. Paris has a couple things, but so uh, I watched three movies, and I'm actually going to kind of do them all at once because I watched them pretty close in succession. Makes sense. I watched Fantastic Mr. Fox. Great movie. Black Dynamite. Never seen it. <laughs> Those are like and, a perfect pair. <laughs> and, um, fuck, I always call it bar- Boxcar Racer. It's Wes Anderson's first film. Bottle Rocket. That's it. So uh, watching Fantastic Mr. Fox and Bottle Rocket completed my Wes Anderson thing. So I've officially seen all of his movies. And part of the reason I watch them is because my boyfriend is like obsessed with Wes Anderson. And he was like, you have to you have to watch all of them. So when we see Isle of Dogs, you'll have seen all of them. Because he has a new movie coming out called Isle of Dogs. And it's amazing. February. Oh, there speaking of February. Was, I thought that was already a movie. Isle no. of Dogs? Yeah, the movie where they're in the pet sh- the dog show. That's Best in Show. Oh, Best in Show. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little different. <laughs> Real quick, not to go on another tangent, because this episode is in full of tangents, but I want to talk about Annihilation. It's mm. coming out in February. Mm. Alex Garland has February on lockdown, because Ex Machina was a uh, February yeah. release. Now and I, that is Alex Garland's month, and he's going to fucking That's, burn no. February to the ground. February it's gonna is going to be huge. All That's the only all month the that they'll allow him to release a movie. <laughs> you can only you can make as many that. movies as you want but only in february yeah anyway so yeah yeah uh fantastic mr fox very cute uh wes anderson's only pg movie i really like the way that they uh work that in by saying curse instead of like cussing fuck shit ass he says cuss yeah suck motherfucker any of those words <laughs> um, they say cuss yeah instead it was very sweet and based off of a book by my favorite childhood author, Roald Dahl. And I didn't realize that until we were watching the movie. And I was like, oh, I recognize this. Oh, that's because it was based off of Roald Dahl's book. Fantastic Mr. Fox is a great movie. It's so good. I it's love great. that little rat sweet. with the snaps. Yeah. yeah. And any time any of the characters eat food, they just go, yeah. <laughs> and they eat the whole thing. <laughs> and I like that they're they're sometimes very civilized, civilized and sometimes very animalistic. And it was just a really cute, heartwarming fun Wes Anderson film. It's a delight. Yeah, yep. it was very delightful. And then the other Wes Anderson film I watched, Bottle Rocket, that I always want to call Boxcar Racer because of that stupid fucking Blink-182 rip-off fan. Side project. Um, Boxcar rip Boxcar Racer does roll. <laughs> I do really like Boxcar Racer better than Plus 44 or Angels and Airwaves, but that's a totally different subject. So um, Bottle Rocket was really good. I very much appreciated um, Young... Young Owen Wilson. Travis is shaking his head at me right well, now. I'm not the biggest Wes Anderson fan, but I do appreciate most of his movies. But my favorites were probably Fantastic Mr. Fox, Rushmore, and Moonrise Kingdom. See, I really didn't like Rushmore, and so I kind of but assumed I wouldn't like Bottle, Bottle Rocket on the because bottom, for sure. Bottle Rocket is his first, and I think Rushmore was his Rushmore second. So with Darjeeling Limited. That was Wes Anderson. Yeah. Right? Oh, Most yeah. underrated Wes Anderson. I mean, no, Honestly, my favorite. so fucking good. I love that <laughs> yes. movie. It is very, yes. very, very good. Like, I, I, the, every scene in that movie just seems so perfect. The color scheme in that movie is 
flawless. It, for it's sure. beautiful. It's just every fucking <laughs> shot. I think my... Yeah. <laughs> beautiful has three fucking syllables. Tom's making fun of me right now. Beautiful. Beautiful. My favorite line in any Wes Anderson movie is when Jason Schwartzman climbs on top of Adrian Brody and he says, I love you, but I'm going to pepper spray you in the face now. And he sprays him. <laughs> The OR Adrian scrubs. Brody. Adrian. Oh, these are OR scrubs. Oh, are they? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the other best line. That's the thing. Wes Anderson has some really killer cool dialogue. Especially and... his character in that scenario. That is like one of the best jokes of all time. <laughs> that, that's Rushmore kills. I love Rushmore. Anyway. I mean, it's I didn't love Rushmore, but there were some really good moments. But anyway, oh, yeah. this movie oh, was also very interesting. I have and not very seen. You got I haven't Rushmore. seen Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, or Darjeeling Limited, but I've seen uh, Moonrise Kingdom, uh, Grand Budapest, Grand Budapest, Budapest Hotel. I love that one. Budapest. Uh, Royal Tenenbaums. Royal Tenenbaums. Royal Tenenbaums is good. I think, uh, and Fantastic Mr. Fox. He's got to have another one in there somewhere that I've seen. It goes Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, Rushmore. <laughs> oh, uh, Royal Tenenbaums, The Life Aquatic, Darjeeling Limited. No, Life Aquatic was after Darjeeling Limited. No, it was not. I feel like it was I think Matt's right. I, I, I want to rewatch Life Aquatic. I just like arguing I didn't like with it the Matt. first time I saw it. He, Life Aquatic. he makes a very firm statement. I'm like, you're wrong. Life Aquatic was 2003. Darjeeling Limited was 2006. Fantastic Mr. Fox was 2009. Moonrise yeah, Kingdom, correct. 2012. <laughs> Grand Budapest Hotel, 2000. <laughs> fart noise. 15. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then Isle of Dogs is sure. <laughs> So Matt is trying to suck Wes Anderson's dick, I think is what we all have learned uh, from this conversation. I think what we know is that Wes Anderson has terrible handwriting because of the Capital One commercials. <laughs> That's actually very true. There, okay, so Matt and I watched Darjeeling. No, what did we watch together? One of the Wes Anderson We watched films. Rushmore together and we watched Darjeeling Limited together. And... And one other one. We watched Royal Tenenbaums together. Yeah. Time. But I think it was Royal Tenenbaums. No, it was Darjeeling Limited where they had all the extra features and one of them was the Capital One commercial. And I was like... Yeah, that was Darjeeling Limited. This is yeah. kind of... I hate it. Interesting. But he does have terrible handwriting. Yeah, those are the two films I say I watched and then I'll go to Black Dynamite later, but I don't want to be talking for eight hours. Okay. Black Dynamite's an exploitation film, right? It is a... Black It is a satire... Right. On a black exploitation film because it was made like ten years ago. So it's exploiting black exploitation. It oh, is. It it's, oh, it's it's satirizing black exploitation films Wait, so of the seventies. I it's an would. Homage. Well, okay, but yeah, I think it's, they're already doing that. It's yeah, an so. homage to it, <laughs> it's but a it, modern but black exploitation. It, well, it's an homage to it done in the most ridiculous way possible. Like it is very self aware in that it's stupid. So those movies were too, though. I see what so you're trying to say. It's a more extreme version of yeah, yeah and that's why I say it's a satire, self-referential. It's it's very aware of the fact that that's what it's doing. You got to. I was going to not terms, talk about okay? it until someone else had <laughs> talked, but well, I mean, we're talking about it. Like, did did you like it? We can just knock it out. Okay, so I had seen the trailer for this like a thousand times from different people, and I really liked it. So speaking of black did you just dynamite, hmm? did you just dab? I was Heismaning. Heismaning. Yeah, he's, he's ready for some football. Yeah, it's almost football. Like the Heisman Trophy. Are you ready for some football? <laughs> <laughs> a Sunday morning party. Hell yeah! We have 24 <laughs> minutes before Travis needs to oh, fucking yeah. scoot us along for the Seahawks game. game? Mm-hmm. One thirty, about 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh, 
But did you like you did you like it? Or? Okay, so I liked it a lot. I keep getting distracted and getting on my phone. Um, I liked it a lot. I thought the first three quarters of it were very very entertaining, and it was really funny. After that, it was a blowout. Well, they just they they kind of had like five endings, and I was just kind of bored after that point. And was just like, all right, I get it. You're fucking around. Like, there's some really funny scenes, but one of the best parts is where like. Black Dynamite is this detective guy who's trying to rid out, like, dope dealers in the community. He says, I will kill any man that's feeling, that's selling drugs to the community. And one of the guys in the meeting, he's there, he's like, but Black Dynamite, I sell drugs to the community. And it's <laughs> it's just really great timing and very, very, very funny. Wait, so what does Black Dynamite say to that guy? Nothing. That's it. That's the whole exchange. But and it's in the trailer, and it, the way it's that. cut, you don't realize it's the same scene. But that's literally he says that, and he goes, "But black dynamite." Like it's so good. Sweet, Travis. How much you got left? Um, okay. Are we going on like two and a half hours? Oh, yeah, you, dude. We've been here for fucking to, uh, eight hours. Maybe we should oh, just jump to Rotten Tomatoes. Well, there was also the end. We, I mean, we took. 10 minutes to go smoke a cigarette. We did do that. Oh, yeah. How much do you have left? No, I I got it. I'll be quick. Famous last words. So I watched uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer. Yes. Dude. Really sucks. You suck. I agree with you. It's bad. Get out of my house, Travis. For reference, we're in Travis's house. Uh, Tammy from work let me borrow it. She thought it was hilarious. Tammy from work, her official name. Chelsea's always been (laughs) telling me to watch it, saying it's classic. It's not. It is. It's just, I don't know. I maybe chuckled once. It's bad. I prefer the, uh, like, Austin Powers, Mike Myers. Agreed. Rather than this. I mean, Austin Powers is bad. Travis, I don't think I've agreed with you more than I have on this episode, like, ever. (laughs) Wayne's World is good, too. But this... Party time. Better than good. The greatest comedy of all time. Okay, (laughs) let's just set the record straight. Do you guys think the whole like slam poetry segments are funny? In So I Married After? Yes. No, I love it. No. You know what slam poetry segments are funny? Matt hat. (laughs) He stirs his drink. It's not funny. It's just like... Whoa, man! So, <laughs> come on, you're laughing right now. Yeah, they do it better. <laughs> they do it better in uh, jumps the jump the second Jump Street movie. Twenty two Jump Street. Twenty two Jump Street. They do a really good, funny like take on that, and it's way better. Oh. And and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. They do true. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, they call it uh, deaf deaf jam. It's deaf jam because it's, it's so like deaf. they're from the fucking nineties. <laughs> the segment in Twenty two Jump Street is it twenty two or twenty one? It's twenty two. Okay, yeah. That part is amazing. Yeah, and it's way better. Like that's a really good Loud funny noises. Movie. <laughs> uh, I saw a couple of newer movies. I saw Battle of the Sexes. Oh, how was that? I thought it was good, not great. I liked all the period stuff. The match at the end is exciting. Probably the best part and the most engaging. Emma Stone is great in it. Steve Carell is. He's always good in everything, but I feel like he just kind of phoned it in this time. Like, he was doing a variation of his other characters, hmm. just kind of all mashed up into one. Like, even, uh, it's probably his Michael character from The Office, but you know when he says, like, all right, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. He does that same exact thing in this movie, and that was kind of weird. Um, and then it also, I mean, it brings up the whole issue of, like, women's rights in society and in sports, and I feel like we're dealing with that a bit still, but we've definitely progressed from that since like this movie's taken place but, 70s but right? it brings it up as if it's like a like a fresh issue even though it's not really an, it's still an issue but it's not a fresh issue if you know what i mean yeah it's still a problem that we're facing yes so 
Who who directed this? Is someone I think it's right? the Little Miss Sunshine people. Oh yeah, uh, Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris. Yeah, but it's it's very like not on the nose, but it's very run of the mill. It's kind of like uh, the founder in in a sense, like okay. the way they plays it too safe. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna try and see this yesterday because I was gonna go see Stronger. Stronger is no longer playing in theaters. Stronger no longer. Then I was gonna go. Great see... segue, Matt. Then I was gonna go see Battle of the Sexes. Then I was like, eh, I'll take a nap instead. So I didn't. But you did see Stronger though, yeah. Yes. So yeah, Battle of the Sexes. It's worth watching. It's not best to see or anything, you know. Blah blah. blah. Uh, Stronger though, loved it. Is that Jake Green? Is Jacob Gyllenhaal? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, Jacob. David Gordon Green is a chameleon when it comes to his genre. What's that one about? Uh, it's about Possibly the bomb bombing. He's a survivor. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a survivor of the bomb. Survivor. <laughs> he's a survivor of the Viber Marathon. <laughs> yeah, that. So he deals with being a hero in a non-heroic situation. Like everyone thinks of him as like the guy who saved Boston or whatever, even though he didn't really do anything. He was just there in the moment and was a part of the attack. And that's where the whole Boston Strong thing came from, and I didn't realize that. Um, but this is pretty much like the Manchester by the Sea of 2017. Wow. Okay. Because like all the, the family dynamics are very similar to that. I mean, obviously because of the setting, it's set in Boston, but like the family is kind of, I don't want to say white trash, but you know they have issues and... Yeah, um, but the main relationship between Jake Gyllenhaal and I think her name's like Tatiana Marsley. It's both performances are very great, um, and I haven't seen her in much. Um, but the relationship between them is like very complex because he went there by ch- choice. Like they were, they're ex. You know, they're not together anymore. He goes to the race to like show support. He gets attacked or whatever. And then she comes back into his life because she feels kind of obligated to, like, be with him because she was there for him. Or he was there for her. <laughs> Sorry, these uh, <laughs> drinks are getting to me. For reference, uh, I think Travis has had three brass monkeys, and... all of which have had varying levels of vodka. Well, in recap. And no breakfast. <laughs> one entire bottle of champagne is gone. One, half, and, one and a half. Half of the second bottle is gone. The handle of vodka is almost Mostly gone. Mostly gone. Uh, all of the orange shoes. Can beer. we go back all to the orange shoes? All of the orange shoes. <laughs> vod- all of the rock star. Fuck. But yeah, um, it's a... Roller coaster of emotions. I love saying that. Um, <laughs> Was they, it a literal don't roller stop coaster? <laughs> the ending is pulls everything together. Um, it's just yeah, it's very enjoyable. I'm bummed I missed it. I wanted to see it, but it was in theaters for like maybe two weeks. Yeah, if that, it might have even been the one week. I have a feeling people might say it's a little heavy handed or it feels like other movies, but for me, it, it worked completely. Like it also deals with the whole like PTSD thing. Um, do you think it does a good job of taking a real recent tragedy and turning it into a personal story? Because there have been a lot of those movies lately, and I'm Definitely. always hesitant to watch them. Well, yeah, it focuses mainly on him and his story rather than the actual volume itself. Like the the um, like the premise or the synopsis is so misleading because it sounds like he's going to be helping track down the the killers or the bombers, but like the movie doesn't spend really that much time on that at all. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. But it's amazing. All right, what do we got left? Um, anyone else? No. Nope. Oh, well, Tom, want to talk about Transparent a little bit? 
Sure. And we're both at about the same point in the season, I think. I've, yeah. I've watched four episodes. I think I've seen three, maybe four. But Have you watched the Jerusalem episode? Yet? Yeah. Uh, that was the... Well, I've seen the Israel episode. I don't know if it was in Jerusalem. The one where she, uh, Allie goes to the dinner. Is there anywhere else? Allie goes to the dinner and they get into that conversation yes. about like the two-state solution and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Okay. The, we're at the same place then. Okay. Yeah. So we're both coming at this as huge, transparent fans. Huge. 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 Um, Vagina. So far, and I think I think I can add my wife to this category. My so wife. Far, my <laughs> wife. <laughs> Keep it in Paris. <laughs> Just say Sarah from now on. <laughs> okay. That was so stupid. That's so dumb. I hate that. Man. No, we're out of grade. It was so like so. Goddamn it. Sarah agrees. Yeah. Uh, transparent is. Fine so far, enjoyable, but it's not. It's not poking me in the ribs like the last three seasons. Totally, I I binge watched. In what way? Well, okay. We're Tom and I are on the same like page. Poking we talked about you in the heart bit. ribs or the the funny ribs or what are you talking about? You know the ribs hurt. <laughs> it's uh, you gotta hurt to love. This is a show that historically I start watching and I binge watch the season because yeah. I, I need to know what happens. I'm so invested in the storylines. This one, I am invested and I am enjoying what I've seen so far, but it doesn't have that same, uh, I haven't felt that compulsive need yeah. to continue watching. You know? I think, on what, season four or five? Four. Yeah. It doesn't have the same pull. It's starting to hit that. I think all the uh, mid-season wall, yeah. yeah. The plot (laughs) lines, every season, people had different things going on. Either they were in a new relationship, or they were out of an old relationship, or uh, with the main character, of course, she's going through all of her transitions, so she's in a different phase of that. But season four is starting off pretty much where season three left off. Like, everybody's in about the same situation. So it doesn't have, like, kind of the new, uh, you know, where is this going to go type of feel to it the way the way the older ones did part of what has been interesting thus far and it hasn't really fleshed it out too much and maybe this will come in the episodes moving forward but one of the major changes in this season is that mora uh who is jeffrey tambor's character she's the one who's transitioning um this is the first season where she is dating a man yeah Uh, uh, you know like born a man like has not is a heterosexual male. This is the first season where she has expressed any interest in being with a man. Cause previously, uh, Jeffrey Tambor's character, you know, for the first 60 years of his life lived as a man, felt repressed, wasn't, you know, didn't come out until much later in his life, but throughout the early portion of the, of the, the show, she was only in relationships with other female trans women, uh, not regular women. I don't really know. I've had regular too much alcohol women. to really have a an educated discussion on gender politics. But <laughs> but yes, this is the first time in the show's history that Mora has expressed interest in 
a man. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, interesting because, you know, that's that's new for the character. You know, it's, it's territory the show hasn't explored yet, but it hasn't really done anything with it yet. So maybe we just need to keep watching. Because they've watching only, for sure, but... only briefly touched on it. Yeah. Um, a lot of the focus of the season, this so of the show, Jesus Christ, the season <laughs> thus far is focused on uh judaism so judaism has been a thorough line through the whole series but this is more explicit in that uh mora and ali who's the youngest sibling in the household they decide they want to go to jerusalem because they've never been to israel and they want to you know take that take their birthright trip yes so they go and that's kind of where we're both at in the season like we're both at that point uh but it's just lacking that like empathy and that watchability that uh has historically you know so far on the show it just made me want to watch every season because i'm not episode because i'm so invested in these characters it's been a little underwhelming Mm. but i'm still enjoying it so i'll report back Hopefully we'll ha- hopefully we'll have finished it by the next time we record because I'm four episodes down. It's only ten episodes. Like yeah. maybe we'll be able on the next episode to kind of shed light on it. But I do still stand by the fact that it's the best show on television, except for Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is back, baby. <laughs> first season or first episode of the new season last weekend. It was killer. It was so fucking funny. Larry David is my hero. Tonight, tonight, new episode tonight. It's going to be huge. So I just want to interject here Matt real quick and say that Matt likes Curb Your Enthusiasm so much because... He is Larry David. Like any any scene you see in that show where Larry's like being kind of an asshole or like awkward, that's Matt's life. He no. told me a story the other day about how he was trying to get a fucking pumpkin spice latte. Can How'd I tell the go- story? You sure can. You should. <laughs> okay. So I've I've been sick the past week, so uh, I I didn't go to work on Monday. You should avoid lattes when you're sick. The dairy. I did, not, I did not do that. So because of the fun, <clears throat> I uh, did not feel good. Um, but when I get sick, I like to partake in the being a basic bitch. Mm, well, prior to that, prior to that, uh, it helps me feel better when I'm sick. When I partake in the uh, oh. THC, as they call it, he gets the, fucking uh, stoned. The <laughs> That's like the sound company for movies, right? THC. T- T- yeah. <laughs> Yes, that. SFX? 7.1 surround sound. Dolby? THC. (laughs) Fully immersed. If you you imbibe in THC, you're really, really immersed in the sound. So, we're running out of time, so I'm going to try and breeze through the story real quick. But, I really wanted a pumpkin spice latte. It's it's October. I was fiending for it. I needed it. I live in Capitol Hill in Seattle. There is a Starbucks like two blocks away from me. I leave my apartment. I put on my clothes. Why did you go to Starbucks? Oh, sorry. No, just... Pump, because of pumpkin, pumpkin spice, spice latte because Matt's a basic bitch. I haven't had no one yet tangent. this season. <laughs> just, okay. So I, I put my clothes on because I've been in pajamas all day. So I walk two blocks. I get to the first Starbucks. There is one of the Greenpeace, like, people who are canvassing, trying to get your money to donate to the environment. I was like, fuck that. Pull out my phone, fake a phone call. Oh, hey, mom, what's going on? Hey, I'm talking to you Classic Matt. So that I, so, because they don't bother you. They don't bother you when you're on the phone. This is incredible. I faked a phone call. 
She was standing right in front of the Starbucks. So I was like, okay, I'm going to bypass this Starbucks. Directly across the street, there's a QFC. The QFC has a Starbucks. I'm just going to, you know, go into that Starbucks, get my pumpkin spice latte. I used to work at that QFC. I walk in. Of course, the two people who are working at the Starbucks are two people that I used to work with when I worked there. I see them. I'm like, nope. I walk back out. I'm like, okay, (laughs) we're two Starbucks down. I still want my pumpkin spice latte. What's the next step? There's another Starbucks, like, a couple blocks away, down at the end of Capitol Hill before you go over the freeway. So I go to that Starbucks. This is Starbucks. a solid, I'm like, sorry, but ten it's minute not, walk away it from It sounds like now. you need a Moonlight Man to reconcile <laughs> with Perhaps. It's just totally something I would do, Matt. Go perhaps. On. Perhaps. <laughs> so I'm approaching the third Starbucks. I walk in. I'm about to get in line. Guess who is the last person in line to get their coffee? Oh, it's a girl that I went on a Tinder date with who has a boyfriend and I hooked up with her and it was like a whole thing. And I was like, I'm not gonna, (laughs) I'm not gonna stand in line behind this girl because it's awkward. So So. I was just like, after three Starbucks, I was just like, you know what? This crusade is over Did with. Did you not get anything? Walks all the way back to his own apartment building to the coffee shop that is in his apartment building. Nailed and it. I get a regular lot. Nailed it. Nailed it. But if that's not a fucking bit from a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode, I don't know what is. Because Matt's life is How long Larry did that David's take you? Life. Half hour? About, about a half least, hour. About a half least, hour. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a 10-minute walk down to the other Starbucks. So the only thing preventing you from the first Starbucks was the Greenpeace people? I didn't want to talk to the person. There was yeah. the Come Greenpeace on, person. Just... But... Then there was the person that he knew who also worked there. Then there was the awkward date lady. And I feel like it just gets progressively worse as he goes on. Yeah, you should have taken your I first really should have just done the first Starbucks, yeah. you know. I could have just been like, oh, can I talk to you for a minute about the environment? No, fuck you. And then I just keep going. <laughs> you know, like, what well, and sometimes. what I don't understand is I said, well, why don't you just pretend you're on the phone and then walk in? And he goes, but then I, I would have to do it on the way out. The kid out, outside of QSC. <laughs> you have to pretend you're on the hey, phone on the way out, too. The Boy Scout outside of QSC trying to sell you a 10 big... Ten dollar bag of uh, a ten dollar bag of weed. What? You tell them to get fucked. Dime bag. Yeah, <laughs> just children selling dime bags a, in front of QSC. They have a little. They have a little uh, THC patch now. Where if you're in Washington and you're <laughs> yeah. and you're a Boy Scout, <laughs> the THC. They badge. have a little a little weed leaf. It's, <laughs> if you're able to sell a dime bag in front of a grocery store instead of like Girl Scout cookies or some shit. <laughs> All right. Okay. So <laughs> before we move on to Cool Hand Luke and Rotten Tomatoes game, is there anything else anyone wants to bring up? No. Sure um, um, the Blade Runner three no. short films. <laughs> no. um, I'm not going to talk about them. I'm just saying, check them out. It's cool. It kind of explains some events that are in between the first Blade Runner. And I did Blade when Runner. I saw they were the short films. I, was so I wanted to check them out. Yeah, I, I would like to check them out. Yeah. All right. So I actually want to bring up something real quick before we move on. <laughs> I did rewatch uh, the Lobster. Oh, I'm pretty shit. much right where I was last year. Maybe a little bit more. Uh, I still feel like the first half is better than the second half. <laughs> And I do love the commentary on like society and how it deals with relationships, but I don't think the comedy is there that other people think is there. Dude, Even in the first, I know half, you love the shin kick. The scene. shin kick. No, when he kicks the, the shin little, kick. little kid in the shin, that's so fucking funny. It's funny, but it's funny in like a that was funny rather than like a laugh out loud. No, no that's, that's... I definitely laughed. Now, for reference, I saw this once. 
So that was the first watch, but I definitely laughed out loud. When it, I this saw was it. In, in, in anticipation of a uh, killing of a sacred ancient deer. Chinese secret. Is that the <laughs> ancient Chinese secret? <laughs> okay, what <laughs> is that the same director? Yes, right. It's yeah. called the killing of a sacred deer. Dog killing of a sacred deer who has an ancient Chinese secret. No, 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 no. that was a joke. <laughs> Just move. Uh, Colin Farrell, Nicole Kidman. It's gonna be huge. Dog teeth is oh, better than so the Oh, so it's gonna be though, similar sure. to the beguiled. Yeah, for sure. Hey, dog teeth. I, no, the lobster is for so, sure better than dog tooth. I know you guys did the la- this last time, but I just wanted to say that when Matt and I saw Mother, that we came out of it, and I was like, I don't think I felt the same this way out of like any movie ever. And he was like, Well, when we came out of Lobster, I was like, Well, you felt like that. So for reference, Matt was very affected I just, by Lobster. I like the whole lobster. message in the movie where basically the more you try and force on someone, the less like happier. You know, the less it's going to work, basically. Because you could apply that to a lot of things other than just relationships. Well, and you don't have to be 100% like the same person to like be in a relationship with someone. Yeah. And I think that's the main point where it's... they're like, well, you have to have this one thing in common. That's why the movie is so cynical. Because it takes the approach of like, all it takes is one thing in common. And characters will fake the one thing yeah. so that they can have a relationship with Even the person. if they have chemistry with the other person. Unless you have that one thing in common, it's not going to work. It, it is kind of funny, but it's more of a, like in an awkward way it's than a dark. laugh out loud kind of way. I would agree. Yeah. yeah. No, I would agree. Like when... Uh, the girl's like choking and he's just watching. Yeah. <laughs> or I, I, love, I really enjoyed that. I love the reenactment reenactments on stage when they're like, Oh my the God. Guy eating dinner by himself. This yes. is what will happen if you don't have someone or that was a girl amazing. walking down the street. That like this, amazing. you're going to get raped unless you have a husband. You're going to get raped or <laughs> choke and die unless you have yeah. a significant other with you. So good. I mean, the dancing scene. Where they're, oh, it's just yeah. dead silent and they're all swishing oh, around like in their rain jackets. It's right? so I hilarious. I love that. And people, fucking hipsters, but people actually do that where they have like silent dance parties and they'll just be in a room together. Yeah. All listening to their own. There's usually a, the same music yeah, on the their headphones. Song. There's a dome in Coachella that's like dedicated to that. Bumbershoot does that too. Bumbershoot does that too. stupid. I hate it. Anyway. Anyways. Lobster kills. Okay, so Cool Hand Luke. That was my favorite movie of last. Tom, that movie. Rotten Tomatoes. Did you love I it? Love yeah. Cool Hand Luke. Oh, I should, I so much. I'm not so good. I'm so glad I watched. Oh, such a classic. I mean, that movie is a freaking exactly. classic. It's been forever since I've seen it. Would have been oh, surprised man. if you didn't like it. Like watching it halfway through, I was like, "This is a fucking classic." Like it's so timeless. Like it, it will never age, and that's like a right. true definition <laughs> of a classic. How many boiled eggs did he eat? Fifty. He did do 50. Did. Five zero? Five zero. But in recording, he actually only ate enough. like Fuck. eight of them. Eight is still well, yeah. gross. What a fucking eight show. Is gross, okay, well, I, I, think, I have I a high key aversion to eggs, so. Borderline. I should not eat eggs. Two is borderline? That was the whole point of the scene, is right? Is that they were, he was only like trying to get him to bet that he could eat like 30 eggs. Or even less than that. Or like 10. And he's like, oh, make a 50. Well, because he, that makes it someone else was talking about like the crazy things people have done in prison, and he's like, "Well, I could eat fifty hard boiled eggs," and I'm like, "No way, you can't do that." And he's like, "Fucking watch," <laughs> and he does it. And then you watch in gruesome detail. Oh yeah, no, definitely you do. Like, there's scenes in this movie that just drag on and on and on. Like, there's there's such like iconic scenes though, like the boxing scene, the hard boiled egg scene. There's a car wash scene where like all the guys just like cat call this woman washing a car and it's very sexualized but not in like a distasteful way it's like very tasteful and there's like gay undertones in the movie 
that... So maybe they're, like, overdoing it in the sexualizing the woman scene to be like, we're not gay? Well, that's part of the, like, story. I don't yeah. want to... I haven't seen it. That's why I'm asking. Man, cool hand, Luke. It is amazing. Paul Newman. Yes, Paul Newman. Beautiful blue eyes. What a guy. No, like that character himself and his performance is so iconic. And it reminded me of, I don't want to say Joaquin Phoenix reminded me of, or Paul Newman reminded me of Joaquin Phoenix. Like Vice versa. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Joaquin's performance um, and stuff reminded you of Paul Newton's performance in this? Yeah. And the ending of Cool Hand Luke Newman. so sad. Newman. Oh yeah, like, I'm so I'm so sad. Every <laughs> no, it's time new. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I know I'm wrong. Another thing I want to touch on was the way it's shot is beautiful. Mainly like mm-hmm. all the outside shots. Like there's so many good shots of like sunsets and sunrises, and like the men out working in the fields with like the sweat the glistening sweat and glistening. Oh them. my god, <laughs> yeah. so homosexual. I was gonna say you said there were homoerotic oh, undertones sure. in this. If you're, <laughs> if you're just get, watching a bunch of shirtless right men. With glistening sweat, like that's pretty homoerotic. You can definitely see uh, like parallels in the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> like Andy Dufresne is a lot like Cool Hand Luke in a sense. Because Andy DeFranco? Andy Dufresne. He said Dufresne. Andy DeFranco and Frank. Well, because at, at first, <laughs> at first, he has to kind of like win over all the other prisoners, and he does the same thing in Shawshank Redemption. But it is like probably top fifty. Was there top also a big reveal? Time. Cool Hand Luke. Fucking rocks. Thank you, Tom. Sweet. <laughs> Alright. You're welcome. Let's go. Seahawks. Okay. Uh, Brothers Bloom is the Rotten Tomatoes movie of choice. Directed by Ryan Johnson. Yeah. It's based on a German fairy tale. Thought it was very fitting since uh, Last Jedi's coming out here in a This was months. in between it was in between Brick and Looper, right? Because he hasn't the dude hasn't made that many movies, right? Right. So this was in between Brick and Looper. Was yep. it really? Because Brick came out a million years yeah, ago. Yeah, like two thousand one or something. And Looper's fairly recent. He has recent. not made that many movies. But Brick, Brothers Bloom, Looper, all very good movies. Brick is I'm I'm No not as Don't listen to Matt. Don't listen to Matt. So More like Dick. It's more like more store, like Joseph but... Gordon Levitt is the best person. Joe Go Lev. Joe Go Lev. JGL. All right, so we're doing. JGL. We're doing the Brothers Bloom. Wow, I was gonna JGL. say Matt, you're fucked. You're like you're so wrong, but you. Okay, so I'll just say it. So Tom <laughs> guessed eighty-one percent. Matt guessed sixty-five percent. The actual score is sixty-six percent. Oh, I would like to state what? that I don't agree with anyone basing on whether or not they view mm. movies on a on a critical response, especially via the tomato meter or whatever. So the fuck okay, have you you you've seen Hater. this movie, right, Jay? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. It's you about should, 66% good. You should watch <laughs> No, you should watch it no, because I, I would say it's much closer to 80 yeah. something percent. I was surprised by like first glance I thought Matt was going to lose for sure. Yeah, no, I would have expected that as well because but this movie is fucking I know, great. You know, I'm, I'm tuned in. Also, I would have I oh, Come on, you're tuned in? <laughs> well, hey, We're tied now, bitch, okay? Matt fucking You did out. the tally. I was out. Matt, honestly though, did you cheat for Cole Hand Luke? Like did you know it was 100%? No, I just, it's a classic. 100%? Well, part he of the thing 100%. is, part of the thing it, is, it is 100%. It, I took Rotten a gamble. Well, older, no, older wow. good Deservedly movies, so. older good movies on oh, Rotten yeah, Tomatoes sure. That's are often, so weird that, no. yeah. like, with all the critics, you'd have to think that there'd be someone out there that thought, 
Well, this movie is boring. Older shit. classics yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes are almost always a hundred percent because they have a lot less yeah. reviews, and so they're weighted a lot higher. Some will have like ten reviews, and ten people said they're hundred awesome. percent. Or even if nine people said they're awesome, they're weighted higher, so it's a hundred percent. They just don't count the bad reviews. No, they I... do. Any bad review is uh... against the score. Believe okay. me, I know how Rotten it's proportionate. But I, I took a gamble on that. I was like, I feel like that might be 100. So. This is going to be the longest episode in the world? Uh, yeah. yeah. Long. <laughs> yeah. So. so. I'm not going to listen to this All right. Time. I'm watching Brothers Brother Bloom. Bloom. I will borrow it. Do not slough. From please. your collection. I would never do that. And that will never also have. get Charlie Countryman because <laughs> I understand that uh, it was not streaming on Netflix. I will you have to forge, I will force no, I will purchase it because I do enjoy that movie that much and I will lend it to you guys. Okay. So there you uh, go. Mini reviewers. Honestly, cool. this kind of has inspired me to watch Brothers cool. Bloom again because I fucking cool. love that movie. Alright. That's going to do it for this week. Uh, next time we record, uh, I'm thinking, so the Mayorowitz stories. It's going to be guys... my uh, birthday weekend that we record. Yeah? Uh, Hell yeah. Are you guys podcast. familiar Mayorowitz stories? <laughs> you guys know what's up? No. No. It's the new Noah Baumbach film. Oh. Adam Sandler has Oscar buzz, Ben Stiller. Boo. Netflix original. I'm down. I think we should do the whole Ken Burns Vietnam. Vietnam the Vietnam, all 12 hours of it. <laughs> That's what we should I do. would be interested, but... I do want to watch it. Okay, so Mayor of Stories 1. Uh, hopefully, the weekend we actually record, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yeah. I'm hey, looking. Florida Project should be out in the meantime as yes, well. Yes, Florida Project. Hopefully here in Seattle. To see that. Yes. I haven't heard of any of these. I'm very interested. Uh, Florida Project is from the director of uh, Tangerine, the movie about the, the trans women in LA. It was shot, shot on, on iPhone. iPhones. That's going to be a top five or just it could be there's a book called tangerine and it's not about the same thing at all (laughs) looks good interesting so next next episode is a little bit up in the air perhaps we could do geostorm which are our butler no kidding hell yeah i was so pissed when i saw that (laughs) or the snowman the snowman looks dude you guys should actually do the snowman because i think that's actually gonna be very exciting the snowman looks terrible it could be bad here's the thing dude the snowman's gonna it's Here's gonna be awesome. Only because it has Fastbender in and it. And the director. No, no, no. I can already hey, predict. Thomas Alfredson is the director. So, tomato meter Let for the, the right snowman. Critic is gonna be like 30, 40%. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Travis. Fans are gonna love it. What? But snowman? fans gonna be like 70, 80 for snowman. Snowman's gonna rock. No, I think I'm very interested in the snowman, but I think critically it's gonna do poorly in audience. Is this the Predictor's well. Digest or the Cinephile's Digest? This uh, is the Rotten Digest. It is officially the Cinephile Digest. <laughs> Unofficially, it's whatever you want it to be. <laughs> okay, well, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, thank you guys for hanging with us. It was a long episode, but we had a lot to talk about. It was, this was a huge episode. Tell your friends. Like us on Facebook, Cinephile's Digest. Follow us on Twitter, Cinephile Digest. At Cinephile Digest. Excuse me. I forget how Twitter works sometimes. Um, you have to ask everything. Form shoot us an email, uh, which I once again forgot to check because you fuckers don't send us any emails. So I just never get in the habit of checking. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm not I, afraid. I was once that, that podcast to make a stand. <laughs> Everybody. 
If you want Matt to never come take again, my hand, please email me. We'll walk this road together. Oh my god! Through the storm, day or night, however the song goes, everybody. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm about devolving at the end of the episode. Jesus. Uh, Digest at gmail.com. Shoot us a message. Come hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cinephiles comecast at gmail.com. Chump. <laughs> at cumchump.com cumchump.com <laughs> send us a message oh it'll be huge oh we're so happy to be here <laughs> thank you all for listening please tell your friends can we uh, talk about Blade Runner for a second real quick <laughs> Rick Deckard is he a replicant but I just have like one more point about Dick Heckard <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's going to do it. We're we're going off the rails on a crazy train at this point. So, uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Peace out. Latest. Yo yo yo. Faces on the menu. More like the disaster fartist, am I right? Uh, I like how you lean into the mic for that. <laughs> it's, re- it's recording. He's going to have that at the end. Yeah. More like the disaster fartist. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, yo, yo. All that in there. Embarrassing.